And good evening, good evening, and good afternoon, or good morning, wherever you may be in the world. This is Griffin Gaming RPG, and welcome back to the Soul Citizens. And uh, man, we have got a show today. Today, we have uh, an illustrious group of people once again, including an illustrious, illustrious special guest. Uh, and uh, we will introduce him first. He's the minority in the group today, so we will uh, we'll introduce him. <laughs> Eris, Eris from Relay SC. Eris, thanks for coming back again. This is your second time on the show. It is. I'm I'm uh, happy to be back. Thanks for having me back. It was a good time last time, and uh, I expect it will be the same this time. Well, you get bragging rights now because you can tell Paul Shelley and you can tell a whole bunch of other people that you've been here more than them. So you've got to make sure you keep the one-point lead on anybody else that comes on the show, okay? <laughs> I will I will do anything it takes to stay one point ahead of uh, Paul, the Astro Pub, uh, Shelley. Anything. Awesome, awesome. And uh, let's see, after that, we've got uh, Colossal, the man who got a camera a couple of months ago. And, you know, y'all not just hearing that deep voice of his now, but you can see him in all his illustrious uh, glory. Is that your, uh, what do we call those uh, caps? Uh, what do you call those caps? Uh, your... Uh, what, on your head, what do we call those? Do rag. Uh, is that your do rag? It is. I don't wear do rag. Is that a do rag? <laughs> my claim to fame hat, is but it's all right. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's, we'll see. It's good to be here. Um, glad to be a part of the show. I appreciate uh, being a part of it. It's always good being a part of the show. Yeah. Uh, it's my second time with Eris being a part of the show. It was great last time, so I hope to continue that on. Mm -hmm. And then Kimmy, always good to see Kimmy. So, yeah. um, it's. Always good to be on the show, and I'm glad I can fill in whatever role I can fill in. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you're talking about role because you are technically a sole citizen, so you just didn't have a camera yeah, before. But you own you. I mean, you know, you're on the team at this point, so you know, call it what it is, unless you tell me otherwise. So paid for, <laughs> paid for by the citizens. Paid for by the citizens. All right. <laughs> and last but not least, uh, the professor himself, Kimmy65, always decked out to the nines. What's happening, Kimmy? Oh, good evening, guys. Oh, this is the way. Oh. Good evening, guys. How you doing? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, I this, this I've heard that somewhere before. Where have I heard that before? <laughs> Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little starstruck tonight, man. I'm I'm with the heavy hitters tonight. Oh, yeah. This is the knowledge I, I hear base. a lot of Colossal. I see a lot of uh, Eris mm -hmm. on uh, Relay, and I'm like, ooh. Yeah. Nervous, man. I'm, I'm nervous. <laughs> well, listen, we are happy to see everybody who's here. Fast Cart, Shipwreck, uh, Arish, Arish, hello, hello. And of course, Gaz. Gaz, what's up, my buddy over far across That's the pond? Good to see you, buddy. Um, we really up early in the morning for him. Yeah, he is up early in the morning. Yeah. Listen, we appreciate you guys being on the show. We've got a show chocked full of good stuff today. Uh, you know, whenever we do these shows, I try to bring on the people who I feel can very intelligently and articulately talk about Star Citizen. And we try to even make our subjects based around the people who are on. So, of course, you know, we have people in our group that start from people who've just been in the game for a year to people who've been in it since uh, the, the original uh, backing fundraiser of it in 2012. And so um, today, all three of these guys who are on here are guys who've been to CitizenCon. These guys have uh, listened to the videos. They know the stuff. But we're going to take about take apart something today, um, and you guys already saw the theme of the show is building a dynamic universe revisited. Now, for those of you who remember at CitizenCon 2019, Tony Z had a platform where he spent an hour 
talking about the AI quantum. He, he, he introduced quantum to us. And it's interesting, too, by the way, because, Eris, I heard Nakara say something the other day about what quantum was versus quanta. And I listened to the video again today, and this is what, what, and this is what Tony Z said. He said, quanta is the entire thing, and quantum are the individual things, okay? Because I kept going back and forth trying to name this show. as a quantum, quanta, and I found out that both those names are used by Tony, and you'll hear him relay that later on. Uh, but before we get into that, I do want to touch on something, and I want to give these guys something that y'all can hold them accountable to, okay? I asked them before the show to give consideration. As you guys know, we're getting ready to go into October. And as you also know, October is anniversary month for CIG. We're not doing CitizenCon. All these guys would have been at CitizenCon, including me. And I want to put this out to you guys who are watching the show, too. Here's the question, and feel free to put it in chat. If there's something you think that's going to happen this year for the anniversary month, whatever you think it may be, what do you think it will be? If it's a ship sale, if it's some new tech, if it's something that's going to get introduced into the game, put it out there right now. I'm going to start with our guest, Eris. Okay, if there's something you think CIG will reveal in October, where, where, where's your money right now? What do you think? Honestly, <laughs> no, that's that's really, really difficult. It's been a strange year. Like, they always try to bring something big out for CitizenCon, right? Um, last year, we got the jump point. And actually seeing another sit that was huge, mm -hmm. right? Um, what are they going to do this year? They had a plan. They had something planned. It's changed. And I think what they what they show off is going to depend entirely on how they do this. I'm, I've been really wondering if they're going to, to take advantage of this and spin it so that they're going to have another inverse event, sort of like they've done with some of the ship sales and some of the, um, like the fleet week sort of things i'm wondering if they're going to do something like that something inverse and then show us something there but uh all i want from citizen con all i want from whatever format it takes mm -hmm. is more of what they've been doing the past two years of uh panels right mm -hmm. tony's e for an hour uh uh Sean Tracy talking for an hour. I just want that. Just give me all of that on YouTube that I can watch it and just that's that's all I want. That's all I ask. Okay. Well, Gaz put a prediction in the screen, and I think his prediction is one hundred percent accurate. He says they're gonna get more money out of us that month. That's what he says, okay? That's what he says is gonna happen. <laughs> I don't think there's anything that could be off on that particular one. Uh Colossal? Yes, they are. You better they better have two ships ready for me because I'm coming. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so uh, I do think, or at least I hope that they put out these uh, wonderful things. First of all, they may put out. I'm thinking. I hope they put out something on Terra and Pyro. Um, it'd be nice if they gave me a concept, something new, on the merchantman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, It'd be nice if they did that. Yeah, I, I mean, because I mean, we don't know what's going on with the merchant. We don't know if they scrapped the concept, got creating something new. Don't know. So it'd be nice if I saw at least some type of sneak peek, maybe something that's at least two pictures okay. of the merchant, maybe an exterior and an interior. Mm. Um, but I am really firmly looking for, because I was hoping that this was going to happen with E3 
and then COVID hit and it just screwed up everything. I'm hoping for some type of release date. Mm. Of Project 42. Mm. Maybe something that says that's beta. They said, they said well, beta, okay, beta maybe? Maybe in beta? 2018. Yeah, maybe beta, but ooh. Did Great. they say something about that at a Citizen Con 2018? They said this is going to happen. This is going to happen. So, Harris is shaking I, his head, man. He's a... <laughs> I, I'm looking for some something. Beta. <laughs> or I'm going to steal what the British say, beta. <laughs> Something. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that's your prediction. You you're entitled. You're entitled to your prediction. We'll we'll give you the room for that. Um, Looking at gas on that one. Okay. All right. All right, Kimmy. Let's hear it. What's it gonna be? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the uh, the baseball adage. Uh, I'm not coming with the fastball, and the obvious answer would be pyro. Mm. But I'm gonna throw a curveball. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball, unexpected pitch. I'm going to say they're going to finish out Stanton. We're going to get Crusader uh, mm. end of year where we actually see the, the love letter to, to Bespin, the Cloud City. Uh, them actually, as they were talking about the Cloud Tech a lot, and we've been seeing a lot of that being added in. If you look at uh, uh, Lorville, you're seeing a lot of the Cloud Tech that's in, and they're, they're making strides in the Cloud Tech. Now, that's one of the things they need, one of the main components they need to create a gas giant. So with that said, uh, that's a curveball for me, the unexpected thing, because we're all set on the Squadron 42 pyro, and we're looking, so, we're looking down the road. But it, it, it would be really cool for them to finish out Crusader and have Stanton working and the uh, location of Crusader. And uh, probably the Hercules and the, uh, you know, the, the Garden City there as well. Nice, nice. I'm going to kind of tap off of, bounce off of uh, Springboard off of what Kimmy just said. I don't, there's so many things that could happen. I agree. Um, some work toward the completion of Stanton, Pyro, definitely something with that. Uh, but I'm going to go with the area where they're going to sell, the old money piece. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to say this based on a few things. The big thing that I'm going to say is that we've seen this shifting moving from mining to this cargo docking thing. So I would love to see the Starlifter, I would love to see the Hull Sea, whether working or not doesn't make a difference, or the Nautilus. Any of those three. <laughs> Any of those three for a sale, for a sale. Now, here's the question. Will they drop something we're not expecting? Because if you remember, they did that with the Valkyrie, and nobody expected the Valkyrie. came out of nowhere. Um, and, and we've it's heard Alan. them say that they've got ships that they have not released that are, that are good to go. Do you think that they'll drop some surprise ship that nobody's expecting? Or do you think it'll be something that we've got in concept and we know is coming down the road? And then we're going to jump into the show. Oh, oh, gas. Gas hit the other one. Thank you, gas, because I completely forgot about that. Because the Taurus, and we talked about this already, the oh, Taurus yeah. is on the screens in Ivacati right now. You can't bring one up, but it's there. So the gas Taurus. Peeped. The peeped. Taurus. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, gas. <laughs> thank you for that. So what do you guys think? Any, any they're gonna brand brand new ship or something we've seen already? You think they're gonna drop something on a surprise, a career surprise we don't expect? Go ahead, Eric. Uh, I'm trying to find a reference to something that I just oh, you remembered. Got okay, keep looking. Uh, I'm gonna keep looking. The one thing that I actually hope that they drop for a Citizen Con uh, this year is Theaters of War. 
Uh, you still haven't got it. But uh, interestingly enough, so the entire subject of this show today, building a dynamic universe, talking about quantum and quanta and all that, um, we did get an interesting tidbit. I think it was this week or last week, sometime really, really recently. Uh, we had thought that quanta and quantum would require uh, server meshing and iCache. Apparently, apparently it doesn't. And hold Good. a thought because we're going to hit that afterward. Okay, that was in the Chris Roberts post. So we're going to talk, oh. about, talk about it. You're absolutely right. <laughs> but but, but no, but like that, that's my thought. Oh, for, I see what you're saying. Okay, right? Yeah. yeah. Because it doesn't require all that other stuff that we thought it would. That's my. Because mm. we did think it was dependent upon that. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. But they and they've been showing so much cargo stuff. Mm -hmm. Like they, hyping up cargo and look at look at these cargo bays. Look at these cargo ships and look at this cargo 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 cargo. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point. Very good point. Okay, colossal new ship or concept ship or no. <sighs> I mean, I don't know about a concept shift. I, they may bring out the Taurus. The signs are there. Um, I mean, if if the Taurus is in Evocati, then um, that would be a good sign for that. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of people would, would chime in for that. A Hercules. I mean, we even heard them say something about that. I think they said something about that in this this pre this uh, recent Star Citizen video that you just put out. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I mean, we've seen interiors on the C two. We've seen the I, interiors on the Hercules. You, yeah, you may see it. You may see it come out. I mean, you may see those two ships come out: the Hercules, mm -hmm. the Taurus, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Star Runner. Oh, slipped his yeah. way through. Oh, okay, yeah, actually gets released. Yeah, instead of three twelve, that they, they dropped because they said it was going to be latter part of three eleven. Later, yeah, I know. So they but could. Or they could would that be out. a joy if they slip that in right mm. at the end of the presentation and say, "Oh, by the way, we're ready to go. Here you go. You can buy it. It's on. It's live right now. Flight ready. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kimmy, thoughts? Well, Chips? I'm thinking uh, to put a bow on this. Uh, all all the things that we're thinking that's going to happen and. And the fact that uh, cargo is going to be much bigger deal than what we think it is. But a lot of us are looking at the cargo stations and, and it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to put cargo there. But I, when we talk, what, what we were just talking about, adding in these rudimentary things like Pyro and another location, uh, possibly uh, Crusader itself, mm -hmm. then you're talking about the advent of being able to run cargo to these locations and you then you will kind of see a rudimentary uh, uh, emergence of the economy system because now you're talking about being able to push and move cargo around to these different areas. So mm -hmm. I would not be surprised to see uh, a, 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 a new type of cargo ship, whether it's not just the Taurus to throw, you know, that's, that's the side piece, but mm -hmm. to introduce a new type of cargo ship along with the other uh, concept like the Hercules itself being docked and set in the, um, the uh, area of Crusader, mm -hmm. but another new cargo ship that could really mm -hmm. start pushing cargo around. Mm -hmm. So then Tony Z can really get a handle on, okay, here's the cargo, and then here's a rudimentary uh, process of the the quanta or quantum system. Okay. So yeah, I, I kind of see them during 
throwing in uh, that one concept ship to say, guys, gals, um, cargo is the, the backbone of the economy. So mm -hmm. we're going to really surprise you here, and you're going to see how it starts to work. Mm -hmm. That's a good point, because from last year, one of the ships that got voted on was a Xi'an cargo ship, and we have heard nothing about it since then. So, you, Card Kimmy, you might be right. That would be a surprise drop, because they had told us then they were working on that. That and the refinery are the two ships that we haven't seen yet from 2019. Yes. So that's a very good point. Yeah. Mad Wolf, thank you for the follow. Frax, thank you for the follow. And Table of Horror, Shiver, thank you for following us always. All right, thank you, thank you. Kusanagi is saying the Kraken. Hey, you know what? I was going to say, Admiral, you are really being ambitious. Yes. <laughs> That is serious. For the moon, you, hey, there, listen, buddy. you talk about you talk about keep hope alive. Holy smoke. All right. No, I, that's but you know what? Pure passion. You know what? Yeah. Flames over the place. Thank allow was it flame flames, flames all over, over the, place. the place. All over the place. Thank you for the follow. All right, Admiral. Tons of cargo there. You're right. Plenty of cargo, boy, and a lot of space too. I will say this. That Kraken looked really good sitting on the platform down at is it hurston remember when they when you first came in it was sitting down remember you used to be able to look out the window and see the kraken i don't know if you guys remember that they, they they took it out of there but that was awesome thank you for the bits docs we really appreciate that 300 bits holy smoly thank you thank you so much okay you guys have heard our predictions if we are right you guys can applaud us if we're wrong you can talk about us later uh go ahead go ahead <laughs> I, colossal? I just want to respond to table of horrors because he said that he hoped that you know talked about it could be changing things with uh, theaters of war and that he hasn't heard, heard anything about it in over a year it's not really true because they did put out something to evocati earlier this year on that yes. one for testing so i you know it, i don't know what is going to be you know the update on that one but they did put out something for evocati to test early this year at least a couple of times they did a couple of run-throughs with that mm -hmm. so i when they do give it get it out to you i think you'll be satisfied i yeah. really hope so Yes, but I've I've tried feeding my son avocados. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 trying to feed him avocados makes him throw up, which um, nobody likes avocados. Therefore, uh, you better make guacamole. Maybe he'll like guacamole instead of just doing avocados. Maybe. Yeah, I, I think I should put, put him on to that. Think of it that way. Maybe put him on chips. chips. <laughs> Arish, I see your message there, and that's interesting that you would say that because we didn't even think about that. And people have often said, how come they haven't put a whole A or B out? I mean, they're smaller ships. Why haven't they done that? And that would be a big surprise if they introduced an element of the Hull series out of nowhere. Yes. I mean, the Hull A is a small ship. Boom. Uh, that whole B carries a lot of stuff. That, you know, we, know, we know they got to get that whole mechanism for getting the cargo together but still you're absolutely right that whole series would be an a nice introduction that nobody was really expecting all right okay well listen guys we're going to get into it because this is about an hour-long presentation we may stop the presentation if any of our illustrious uh guests and hosts tonight uh want to talk about something but uh we're going to try to follow along y'all know how tony z is tony z gets deep uh, he says that he begins this presentation kind of going over material that he started in earlier. So bear with it. But believe me, if you didn't see this, once he gets to the meat of it, you're going to gobble it up. It's really good stuff here. So let's go ahead and jump in with Tony Z. One special note with Tony Z. He was going to pursue his degree in economics before Chris stopped him and mm. recruited him. So he's kind of still doing his love. This but is a simulation. Star Citizen. Right, right. That's a good yeah. point.
get those lights brighter. <laughs> okay, uh, so hi, I'm Tony Zervek, and I'm the director of Persistent Universe for Star Citizen. I'll be doing the lead vocals tonight, and over here on my right on the keyboard is Jake Mealy, our economy designer from Austin. Hi. And we're going to be showing you something pretty interesting tonight, uh, and I want to make sure to call out uh, our guitar and bass players back in Montreal, Martin and uh, Robert Lizy. Yeah, that's right. They spent a lot of time working with us over the last, you know, four, five, six months, um, you know, very, very intensely on what we're going to be revealing tonight. It's been a bit of a stealth project recently. Uh, we've actually shown it to very few people within Cloud Imperium because we wanted to get it to a level of maturity to where it was very easy for people to understand Thank you for the, what the benefits of this new technology we're going to be. And I'm going to give you a glimpse of it tonight, uh, but you're going to need some background information to truly appreciate it. So before, bear with me you. for a bit and you'll see why we consider a quantum leap. So, as everybody here obviously knows, uh, Star Citizen is a very ambitious project. Our goal is to deliver a variety of incredibly detailed solar systems that behave in logical fashion and then give you ample freedom to follow your interests, whatever they may be. Thus far, we've been focused entirely on a single system, Stanton, which includes four planets, 12 moons, 225 economic nodes, 44 trading outposts, 13 rest stops, and 50 asteroid fields. So yeah, it's really big. The point of this presentation then is to give you a better understanding of how, when the first one's taken so long, we're aiming to kick things into overdrive so that we can deliver new systems much more quickly. This involves, obviously, a lot of different areas, procedural generation of terrain, modular art sets, algorithmic detailing of buildings and interiors, and a lot of other stuff. For the purposes of this talk, though, I'm going to focus on what I call the dynamic content. So what is dynamic content? Dynamic content responds to player and NPC actions in logical fashion. It's systemic. This means that the universe is in constant motion, which makes it a far more interesting place to explore. Most missions should, of course, be dynamic in nature. They should only be offered when there is an actual need for something. This might take the form of a factory that needs some aluminum to create a retail product, a criminal that needs to be brought to justice, or someone that needs to lift from one location to another. At their core, missions are services provided by one party for the benefit of another, and they are therefore one of the fundamental ways by which imbalances in the economy can be addressed. Likewise, economic nodes, which include things like refineries, factories, and retail shops, need to be dynamic since they must continually take into account the various market forces and adjust accordingly. When demand for something outstrips supply, whether it's iron ore, bullets, or ship repairs, you expect prices to rise. And conversely, when there's an excess of something, you expect that prices will fall. There's more to it, of course. Concepts like marginal demand and price discovery requ require a fair bit of math. But in the end, it's all about the constant search for equilibrium as production and consumption levels vary. I'll get around to explaining probability volumes in more detail in a bit, but suffice to say for now that they dictate what you encounter as you travel through a given area. As such, they should definitely be dynamic. So, for example, if a new field of asteroids rich in valuable commodities is discovered, you'd expect to find a lot of NPC miners 
in the area, but as the resources are gradually depleted, their numbers should start to fall off. Pirates should gravitate toward areas with a lot of value to plunder and recoil as the amount of security ticks up. So let's look into each of these areas in a bit more detail and see why we've struggled to set up a single solar system and at the same time get a precise understanding of what needs to happen so that we can start moving a lot faster. We'll start with the missions. A Star Citizen mission is fundamentally just a container for code and data, similar in concept to a class in any of a multitude of modern day programming languages. Inputs can be passed into a mission from either the runtime environment or services to allow for customization. This allows designers to do things like, say, inject the type and quantity of cargo, whether the ship should be damaged or not, where the ship should be heading into a generic transport scenario so that we can reuse the same. I want to stop for a second and address an issue that Frax just asked. And I've heard other people ask this, and I want to make sure you guys understand. When he talks about a trade route, we're talking about a route that is basically, for example, if I were to say I wanted to go from Port Olisar to, um, let's say, Delamar, or let's say, Hurston. I could take a straight route if I want to. And for those of you who played Eve, you'll know what I'm talking about when I say this. Just because that's the route, it doesn't mean that's the route you have to take. It may be the quickest route. And this is where the trade-off is. If you take the quickest route, the pirates are aware of the quickest route. And so they may set up to intercept you in that route. What you would do is you would basically set waypoints to take crazy routes to get somewhere. Now, it takes you more time, puts more wear on your ship, uses more fuel, but you have a better chance of arriving safely at a location. So, but trade routes, just like a highway, for example, just kind of look at it as if you could take the highway or you could take side roads. If you take side roads, it's going to take you more time. You may have to, you know, have the bumpy route or whatever the case may be. You may have to cut through an asteroid belt, whatever it is. So you're not locked into those routes, but most people will take a trade route just because they feel it's a safe way to go and it's fast when you're trying to deliver. So you're not restricted to that trade route. So we wanna make sure that people know that, but most people will take routes until they get used to figuring out different ways to navigate, okay? So hopefully hey, that Griff, helps. I wanna jump into- Sure, go ahead, buddy. I wanna use nature as an analogy. You ever see those school of fish or sardines in that one track and it's a bunch of them and you have a maybe a seal that comes in and he's picking one out of the bunch but yet the school is still moving. Mm -hmm. So in that context, you're going to get into the school of that route with the other missed uh, holes, the other ships that are running. And so if there's trouble, you're like, okay, let me haul ass. But you might see that other person get pirated, but mm -hmm. you can keep moving. So in that, you know, in numbers, you know, it, there's power in numbers and um, you look at it as well. It was that person's time to go, but... <laughs> That route, you're going to have a school of fish going from point A to point B, basically. And so you can get in the middle, so the outer edges are picked by the pirate. So mm -hmm. keep it in that context as well. These trading routes is going to be heavily populated, but at the same time, uh, you're going to have people that you can hire, whether they're NPCs or real people, as a security, uh, uh, what is it? To, to, uh, security detail. To, to mm -hmm. work Escort. with you. Escort. Mm -hmm. Escort. Mm -hmm. So you you have a dynamic that you can you know risk reward and if you're able to um afford this stuff so you're mm -hmm. going to take those risks based on how much you have yeah so a lot of things to think about with that yeah so it, if you it's also what 
Uh, it's also going to depend a lot on the system that you're you're working in. Right now, we've only got one system, so it's not great. But once we've got more systems, mm -hmm. there will be high security systems and low security systems. And in some of the higher security systems, those common trade routes mm -hmm. are also going to be heavily uh, watched mm -hmm. by the UEE or whatever local security forces, right? So you might actually be safer on the regular mm -hmm. trade route. But there might be some stuff, there might be an asteroid field off the regular trade route that has more value. And it's the entire game is going to be a balance of risk to reward. And basically what Tony ends up talking about in this is a lot of the, if there's a lot of reward somewhere, well, people are going to start gravitating to that reward, mm -hmm. which means the risk is going to go high. But then as the the pirates show up then more security will show up which means the risk will balance but then the reward will balance and it's mm -hmm. just that's that's what he calls balancing. dynamic that's the whole thing of using that yeah. term dynamic that's because it, it's constantly fluctuating you you may do really well going to this particular planet and a, a month from now it's drained out no more you know you, you got to find some out. new place yeah. to go so it'll be constantly that's what he, why right. he says dynamic it's constantly a living universe is constantly changing though you know remember we always talk about how cig doesn't put stuff in the game just for decoration when you guys can go into those trade areas where you see those monitors that look like stock market things that stuff's there for a reason because it's going to yeah. be live that data is going to tell you what's the best place to trade this what's the this so even though that stuff right now is a placeholder it's all going to mean something as we get deeper into and it. And interestingly enough, that data might not even be live. That mm. data might have to be yeah. brought yes. by data runners. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And then things start getting interesting. <laughs> Harold. <laughs> yeah, Harold and Mercury. Okay, here we go. Yeah, you got a framework you for a lot of different for situations. That, that material out there. Missions can have content tags embedded within themselves to denote their composition, whether they contain security, pirates, freighters, miners, asteroids, or some kind of a combination. Missions can also have thematic tags applied. These don't specify physical content, but rather detail the headline story behind the scenario that a designer created. So designers can differentiate between a straightforward pirate encounter versus one that includes an ambush. Once these descriptors have been assigned, the missions are injected into a database that other systems can access so that they can be instantiated and customized depending upon the situation. This, however, is where we start to run into some major problems. Designers have to explicitly link missions to various constructs within the game, an NPC mission giver, for example, or a probability volume covering the area around Yella. This is time consuming and greatly complicates maintenance. If a content tag, like pirate, is split into sub-tags, like pirate light and pirate heavy, so that we can have more control over what we're aiming to instantiate, you have to go to every place you would assign the original mission category and individually determine which of the new ones should be enabled. Worse, this isn't dynamic at all. Mission content is fixed to specific NPCs and locations, so there's no evolution. The universe is completely static. Another major problem is that we don't have sufficient context to properly customize the missions. At a macro level, the game doesn't really understand the concept of a route, much less what miners traversing that route should be carrying, or what condition they should be in, or which direction they should be if they're, going, you know, if they're empty, heading towards a mine, or full, bringing the results of their efforts back to a refinery. This lack of context means that we can't exploit a mission's ability to have information injected into it for customization, and that means that you see a lot less diversity, despite requiring just as much work. The last problem, and it's a big one, is that there's no MPC regulation of the mission content. 
Missions are the basic units of work for the economy, and if someone doesn't do what needs to be done, then everything grinds to a halt. In a properly functioning system, NPCs need the ability to step up. If players aren't going to, and the risk reward justifies the effort, and do the work themselves. If a commodity can be purchased at one location and sold at another for a dramatic markup, and there isn't enough cost or risk involved in the transport to warrant the, differ the differential, NPCs should seize the opportunity and move the material themselves until the price starts to make sense. So, let's talk about economic nodes now. An economic node is an entity within the game, which might be represented via an actual storefront, a kiosk, a UI interface, or an NPC that possesses an item manifest detailing the items it wants to buy or sell, storage capacity, and a fair bit of data related to determining prices. This includes refineries that process ore, factories that produce goods, and retail stores where you buy finished products. Factory inputs aren't explicitly denoted, but are instead derived from the production formulae of whatever they manufacture. Prices, what economic nodes are willing to pay for their inputs, and what they want in order to sell, are determined algorithmically based upon the rate of change of their, of their inventory versus the tangent of a pricing curve. This means that they're smart enough to, say, raise the price of what they're selling, even when their inventory is low, if they detect that they're being resupplied at a sufficient rate to get where they want to be in a reasonable amount of time. So clearly, there's some dynamism happening here, which is fantastic. Unfortunately, that's where the good news ends. As with missions, economic nodes don't have any real context in terms of supply and demand, and there's no systemic flow of goods throughout the economy. Why does a refinery want ore? Why is an NPC willing to buy some drugs for you, from you? Where does the shop get the goods that it's selling? Right now, the answer to all these questions is the same. We fake it. Economic nodes conjure up their own supply and demand out of thin air. If a node is designated as wanting to purchase a particular item, for example, designers dictate a formula that describes how that inventory will be gradually burned off so that they want more. These products you deliver to a node then, they don't actually go anywhere. There's no real demand. This is impossible to balance because while production and consumption are fixed, the player count isn't. Sometimes 100 players are interacting with an economic node, and sometimes none. And I mention this because behind the scenes, uh, at the economic level, all of the players, despite being on different servers, really are connected to one single system. A real economy is a tangled web of dependencies, and you can't expect logical results when its gears can completely seize up due to the action or inaction of players. What we really need, then, is NPC regulation of the system. For NPCs to purchase items when they need them, thus keeping the demand side logical, while stepping in to help with the supply when players don't and the risk-reward warrants it. This has ripple effects into other areas. If the demand for missiles spiked because there was a lot of combat, you'd expect that the commodities used to construct those missiles would start to rise in price. And you'd also expect to see more miners and freighters working to alleviate that shortage. If the price got high enough that those transports would be carrying a lot of value, so you know, you'd expect piracy to increase, at which point you should start to see a lot more security patrols and requests for combat escorts. A simple change in demand, then, should be able to alter not only what hey, you Griff. see as you travel throughout the All right, city, if I hop in for a second. Available missions. These kinds of knock-on effects... Have at it. So one thing that's interesting when, when they're talking about this and one thing that I think will be interesting to see how they implement it is how the like 
they're talking about how right now production consumption are faked, right? And one of the things they really want to do is, is to get away from that faking of it. But even when they implement it, unless we've got multiple systems, there's a lot that's going to have to be faked anyway, because there's nowhere right now to manufacture missiles, mm -hmm. right? That we don't have Demand. places in game for manufacturing all these things. So it's going to be interesting to see how they fake the sending material out mm -hmm. and then bringing supplies in. Yeah, you make a good point, Aerith, uh, because essentially you do need to have different areas to support the different layers of quanta or quantum as we see it, because it's not just the economy system, but it's the, the materials that change in value based upon the supply and demand. And the fact that it's not just about, you know, you're going to this one place to take this and go there. It's about monitoring uh, what the what the materials are worth, and they change dynamically right before your eyes. And so, based upon whether it's it's a um, reactive being reactive to the system, the system is driving what we do, where we go, and basically you have no choice but to react to it because at the at the end of the day, it's about your bottom line. So mm -hmm. if you're low on UE UEC United Earth credits. You got to get your butt out the hangar and get to that place to make your money. And at the same time, you're in competition with the 90% of NPCs who are saying, mm. I got to get out and make a living and I need to find this. And so you're going to find yourself to these, uh, these, these uh, outskirts of the, of the verse because it's, it's where other people are not. Mm -hmm. And you have to figure out what is it out there and you have to bring it back and bring that valuable material back. Mm -hmm. That's a good and point. so the system is going to react to that as well. Mm -hmm. Reaction and reactive. Mm -hmm. that, that's a very good point because Tony's alluded to that earlier where he talked about the fact that even the NPCs will respond to demand. And, and I think a lot of times when we think about NPCs based on other games, we're just used to NPCs being just basically mannequins, right? They're just walking around trying to make the place yeah. look alive. But he's saying that mannequins in this game will actually be taking orders, you know, mission orders. They'll be picking up and delivering. So maybe you've got some great trade route, right? And you're hitting it, and then you keep follow. coming back and realizing, hey, uh, I'm noticing that the, the value's changing here. And maybe yes. that's not because the player's doing it, but because NPCs are also taking advantage yes. of that route as well. So you're right, Kenny. Yes. There's gonna be this constant dynamic movement that's happening when it's not contingent upon real players. The NPCs, that live universe can be just as much, when we're in bed sleep, the NPCs are still <laughs> impacting the universe, which is which is pretty deep stuff. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty deep stuff. <laughs> okay, here we it's go. It's also mm -hmm. also good because it's a player and NPC run economy mm -hmm. rather than just a player run economy, which you'll see in a lot of MMOs and mm -hmm. especially in something like World of Warcraft, mm -hmm. the economy runs for a while, but then it it gets top heavy, mm -hmm. and then it becomes really hard to start out in the economy because well, I can't buy this thing i need because no one manufactures it anymore because everyone's mm -hmm. level 90 or whatever right so it's yeah. it'll it should end up a more balanced yes economy they you know 10 years from that you mentioned eris yes yeah wow good stuff
Okay, here we go. In fact, should happen regardless of whether any player is in an area, and that's a separate problem I'll talk about more when we get to probability volumes. So let's take a quick look at what it means to set up an economic node. As I mentioned, there are about 225 economic nodes within the Stanton system, and many of them deal with a lot of different items. Each of these items can specify its own production or consumption formula, along with a lot of oh other my God. Uber nerd. space, uh, optimal <laughs> wow. level, price action. <laughs> All right, that deserves a pause. Uh, <laughs> Uber nerd, thank you so much for the raid of 120 <laughs> folks. Oh, wow. Jay Calvin, Jay thank Calvin. you for the follow. For the thank follow. you, thank you. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, all you Uber nerd folks, we are doing a revisiting of Tony Z's very detailed and interesting speech on quanta and quantum and the economy. So if you've seen it, you know exactly what we're doing. Drag on the Elder, thank you for the follow. Uh, you guys are more than welcome to join us. We really appreciate you guys being here with us. Uber nerd, I hope you had a good night tonight. I'm sure you all guys always have fun over there. Thank you very much. T-G-Y-L-L, I don't know how to say that. T-G-U-L-O. Hi, we appreciate the follow. We appreciate the follow. All right, we're going to fire it back up again. This information can be archetyped, but of course the world's a lot more interesting if every economic node is a bit different. So there's still a lot of customization that winds up happening. So now let's take a look at the economic nodes around a typical planetary system. Ooh, we got to see that Uber nerd. I know you've been monkeying around in, in and finally, uh, DU let's for take a bit a look now. At the economic nodes around the entire solar system. TLC, PJW, amount of data to set up and maintain as we're routinely adding new items and changing prices. And the worst part is that it's all extremely rigid. There's no way to have an economic node increase how much of something it produces or consumes because those things are attached to formulae that have no understanding of external events. So right now, designers try their best to brute force this stuff, to make it feel like it's a systemic world, even if it's not. If an area is configured to have a lot of pirates, they increase the price offsets and demand for goods at nearby nodes. If the number of pirates is subsequently decreased, or maybe more security is added to the area, then the nodes are updated to reflect that fact. It's a ton of work, and while this sort of hand tweaking does yield something that feels vaguely logical, if static, it's definitely not a real solution, and it doesn't even begin to address the major problems. Now we come to the last of the major areas for which I wanted to illustrate the problems that we currently face. So what is a probability volume? A probability volume is an area of space that contains information detailing what you should see as you pass through the area. It's an optimization of sorts in that it allows us to achieve a desired effect a certain number of pirates in an area or a particular likelihood of encountering a freighter filled with iron ore without having to burn a lot of computational horsepower simulating things when there are no players around to see it. This is accomplished via linking mission content tags to probability curves that span all or part of the expanse of the volume. So for example, you can denote that security ships are commonplace near Port Olisar and gradually fall off over a couple hundred kilometers Whereas it's very rare to see pirates who would prefer to avoid security close to Port Olisar, but more likely to see them as you get farther away. There are quite a few different types of curves denoting, uh, there are quite a few different types of curves because, un because until a player actually accepts one of these missions and heads to that uh, location, there are a variety of probabilities. I think some of our notes got screwed up here. 
Uh, anyway, so one, one of the more interesting types of curves is the spoofing curve, which allows missions to skirt the normal rules requiring that they can only be created in the proximity of a player. And this is done so that an NPC can request that you travel to them to provide something they desire, in which case, obviously, we can't limit them to only existing in, your immediate, in yours or another player's immediate proximity. This is how combat assist is currently handled, and we'll be adding some other things like NPC uh, refuel and NPC passenger transport in the near future. The reason it's called spoofing uh, is because we only keep a small stub active on the back end, which is way more efficient. We've got other types of curves. Um, there are re reinforcement curves that allow designers to dictate how quickly backup tends to arrive when you've been identified as a felon. And uh, we also have the ability to modulate that time according to how far away you are from the place you were last spotted and how long ago that was. Uh, there are bounty hunter curves, which allow us to link to a probability, which allow us to link a probability to your wanted level so that we can increase the encounter frequency when they'd actually be hunting you and otherwise keep them very rare. Let's continue on, though, and get a better understanding of how exactly probability volumes works. Here we have an area of space that's marked up as having a certain probability of pirates and freighters, security, asteroids, and derelict ships. Now let's go ahead and activate all of that content. That's a lot of content to simulate when no one is around to see it. A lot of pathfinding NPCs, animations, vehicle physics, collision detection. Now let's go ahead and introduce a player and clear the board. Those pirates and freighters and everything else, they still exist, but only in a probabilistic state. As the player traverses through the volume, we roll the dice on the various curves and force the probabilities to make a choice. Does that content exist at that location or doesn't it? Here, the player gets a hit from the asteroid probability. So the mission database is then queried to find missions with the associated content tag, dynamic parameters injected, and the mission is instantiated. And now a bit later, the, the player trips the freighter probability and then eventually runs into a pirate. The key point here is that much of the world exists as, as a superposition of probabilities until a player gets sufficiently close that the wave functions collapse, at which point we instantiate them and start simulating the full-blown entities. One of the quirks with probability volumes is that they usually represent a variety of low-frequency events. Space is big after all, and even in a pretty heavily populated area, you shouldn't be running into other ships all that often. The problem is that the likelihood of multiple events happening simultaneously is a product of the probabilities, meaning that it's very unlikely you'd ever see two or more at the same time. So let's go ahead and see what this means in practice. Here's a player traversing a probability volume. He makes it through a good part of it before the freighter's probability curve determines that an encounter has occurred, at which point the probability volume queries the mission database with the freighter tag and instantiates a compatible mission. The player continues on, and shortly thereafter, the pirate's probability curve indicates a hit, which triggers another lookup into the mission database. There's nothing fundamentally wrong with this. In fact, it's a pretty accurate representation of what you realistically expect to see two rare events happening on their own schedule. The systemic behavior of the freighter and the pirate, even if spawned separately, would allow them to logically react to one another. So if they were spawned in close enough proximity, the pirate might even attack the freighter. The problem is that this approach lets the algorithms dictate too much of the experience, and if you're not careful, this can lead to the gameplay starting to feel very formulaic. What we really want is the ability for designers to craft more custom content and then have a mechanism by which we can trigger it such that it all feels logical if a bit lucky in the timing. 
So what we do instead of basically allowing the algorithms to entirely control what you see after is we defer the activation for a short period of time and bend the probabilities of other things so that we're more likely to get a combination than would otherwise be the case. So they once again, tra tr uh, the, the player once again triggers the freighter's probability, but rather than, you already got it. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're running a little bit ahead. But basically what you've seen here is the player hit the freighter's probability, held on to it. Um, we bent the probabilities to increase the likelihood of anything else being able to be attached. In this case, that, uh, that involved the freighter, it involved the pirate, rather. So why does this matter? Think about a pirate and a freighter being created separately. It's gonna take a good while for the pirate to close the distance with the freighter, disable it, park next to it, and board it. This means that you'd never come upon a situation where the freighter's already been disabled and the pirates are rampaging through the ship, so you'd better hurry if you wanna save the crew. That's actually a really interesting scenario, though, one that'd be a lot of fun to experience. So while we're fine with the systemic functionality, driving things by default, we wanna be able to bend things towards more interesting situations without it ever feeling too random every once in a while. The problem with probability volumes, then, all comes down to their construction. Each one, and there are lots of them, contains a litany of curves and associated data and is set up by hand, which is time consuming and requires constant updating as other things change. One of the main reasons why they're so difficult to maintain is that many of the variables that a probability volume details should impact one another. More security in an area should of course impact the number of pirates, but because they're all handled independently, designers have to be very careful when modifying them. Mistakes are inevitably made, which result in a lot of sleuthing around to figure out what broke or is now poorly balanced and how to resolve it. The worst thing, though, is that they're static. If an area has a lot of pirates, it will always have a lot of pirates. There's nothing you or the NPC population can do to change that. Rewards won't vary based upon the level of threat in an area because the threat is always the same. A new commodity discovery won't cause miners to move in uh, to exploit it and won't in turn attract pirates eager to prey on them. Demand for security patrols and escorts for that area won't increase in response to the pirates and the pirate threat won't recede as a result. What we really need then is a way to dynamically derive the probability curves based upon what's happening or rather should be happening when we manage to resolve all these problems I've been pointing out across the solar system. So, I've called out a lot of very serious problems, things that require enormous amounts of bandwidth to set up and maintain and that still fail to deliver the experience we want. What we actually want is a dynamic, logical universe. We want the demand for goods and services to be the result of a legitimate economic need, and we must have sufficient runtime context so that we can customize these modular mission templates. NPCs must be able to contribute in helping to turn the gears of the economy from buying and selling goods to creating and accepting missions. The system needs to automatically balance itself so that we can focus on the high-level rules instead of the details. All of this, too, has to be incredibly computationally efficient, which means we need a more focused simulation engine, one that's only concerned with what we need to achieve the desired effect. If we're ever gonna reach a point where we can deliver new solar systems in a reasonable amount of time, then we're going to need to make a quantum leap. So, what? Okay, so I'm gonna stop right there real quick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I need I, the tech I, behind yeah. the, to support all of this. 
Exactly. And I, and I just kind of want to go back to something, Eris, you said earlier, and, I, and, and Tony uses this word scripting. I don't think people really get how much what you're doing in most games is all basically scripted, right? There are people who go in, they lay out certain probabilities of things that can happen to you in the game, and those things remain in place until at some point they decide to go back in and re-script it again and change it. Feels it feels broken. Exactly. And what, and what Tony is saying is they want to create a system that is that is actually on its own, making its own adjustments, improving itself, uh, it impacting itself and responding to itself so that you don't have a developer who's just coming in with some, okay, it's the third month in, we need to change this particular mission around. They want this thing so that it's actually driving itself. That's pretty ambitious. I don't know Cause any game effect. that's doing anything like that. I mean, Eris, you got some thoughts because you were shaking your head earlier. Well, and when it when it comes down to this whole system, the most important thing is something that Tony actually just, just mentioned seconds before, is that they basically need this system to fill all of the systems. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a hundred planned systems in Star Citizen. Each one is massive. Each one has planets that are the size of an entire bloody planet. Like, the amount of space... <laughs> Our citizen is stupid. It's it is honestly stupid. It's it's yeah. horrible. Yeah. And the only way that this game can work and not feel like oh I'm I'm repeating this mission over and over and over I've seen it this exact same mission in four different systems is if they come up with something that dynamically adjusts. Um, and there's still going to be like designers are going to have to craft hundreds of different encounters, but being able to to sort of scale those encounters and and, and um, almost mix and match mm-hmm. is is the only way that they can they can make the game happen. Like Quanta right. is so incredibly important to filling mm-hmm. the game, and and Quanta is what makes us. As, Kimmy, you said this earlier. The quanta is what makes us go venture out into space because without that yes. economy and that dynamic going on, like you said, there's no reason to get off my couch because if we've just worked in Stanton and Stanton starts to exhaust in the area of resources and demand, well, guess what I've got to do? I've got to hit somebody's jump point <laughs> and go someplace yeah. else to, to answer that and respond to it. So, Eris, to your point and to his point, Tony's point. Talking about other systems means nothing if there's no reason to drive us there and to create some type of, you know, dynamo or uh, dynamic that makes us want to travel through the universe other than just to go blow up each other in ships. You know, obviously we want to have something more than that being the only reason why we want to venture, you know, through several wormholes and get with our friends, you know. Mm -hmm. It goes back to uh, Easter, right? Uh, What is it with Easter? Or what is that with the, uh, the Easter eggs, right? You hide these Easter eggs in the yard, right? And the kids go out and try to find these Easter <laughs> eggs, right? We can relate to that. And when, once you find it, that's a prize in itself. And then once you, you, until you open your mouth and say, hey, I found one, then the other kids come and say, where'd you find that? Kind of like that's what it's like there when you pepper out all these, these materials and goods all throughout the verse. And you find it. Either you keep your mouth shut or you tell your friends. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, this activity starts to happen. And then all of a sudden, as pirates stay out of the, well, stay in the outskirts because, hey, they're, they're lawbreakers. Mm-hmm. They're passively using radar to see, oh, wait a minute. 
I'm seeing several miss. There's Colossal with the miss E going back and forth. Oh, hell no. He's got Easter eggs. <laughs> I'm coming after him. And then all of a sudden, the system takes on its own process mm -hmm. because now the things are set in motion, cause and effect. Now the pirates can raid these ships, uh, shipjack, and now they have uh, goods to take to hop, to go to pyro and whatever and do whatever they need to do for their bottom line. But again, it's they want to move away from scripting out or writing all these these uh these uh processes to do these missions. They just want to drop valuables here and there, and the quantum system itself will then determine, okay, this area is out of aluminum. We can't build the framework for ships. We need aluminum. And then you got to find that Easter egg, which is aluminum. Once you find it, you're taking it, you're haul assing back over to Louisville to drop the aluminum for to make ships. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you're back and forth because now you found a, a good bit of this material. And then here comes the pirates because they're tracking you. It tr that's, it's their job to track you, whether they're NPCs or real pirates. Mm -hmm. You want to say something colossal? Well, I, I mean, I think about all that stuff that you're saying. I think about going back to as a social studies teacher and as history teacher you don't think about the state of nature right when you pretty much got the survival of the fittest and uh that notion where everybody's going in and it's the, everybody's in that school of fishing and everybody's in that one tunnel and somebody comes in and just picks about and says i get a fish i get a fish i get a fish and then you got to have somebody that comes in and says ah no you don't stop grabbing that fish mm -hmm. you know that's when you come in with the law and order system mm -hmm. and um but then i also thought about things like, okay, well, what if we're in a system that don't have a Luna? Mm. And are they going to have a system set up in with their quanta, quantum system where nothing is sold that would be aluminum because there's nothing in that system that has it because that system has either no planets or moons that can't produce it or don't have it. And so, I mean, I haven't seen any, any talk about that, but I'm quite sure that that type of algorithm is going to be even more difficult or maybe easy for them to put in mm -hmm. because if you're flying through a system that uh, that makes it all better it makes it more interesting as you're flying through the system or trying uh, because now you have to travel you want aluminum and you need that aluminum to make that uh quantum drive or mm -hmm. something like that and you may have to go through three or four systems because those systems that you're going through doesn't have it so now you got to have an algorithm that that makes sure that those systems don't have those types of parts or mm -hmm. you know uh, minerals or alloys, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Or what happens when you hit that system that does have it, right? But like like Kimmy said, the word has gotten out. You know what I mean? Like everybody and their mother sure. is trying to pull from that system. You know, then you have to just start determining, man, is it worth even trying? Or do you just go ahead and move on someplace else and start, you know, trying to find it someplace else? Uh, you know, I, and something I, I, you said, Eris, earlier, it was talking about, you know, the original thing about 100 systems. I've always said if they make 20 systems, look at the real estate that already exists. You know what I mean? 100 systems is the pipe dream. But if he gets to 20 to 50 systems, oh, my God, the amount of real estate yes. in this game would be ridiculous. So once it starts getting spread out like that, but like you said, if this economy system isn't there, there's nothing to drive us. There's nothing worth taking the risk of taking your ship through jump points or wormholes or, or NPC battles. Uh, yes. If you can't, like you said, Kimmy, if that bottom line isn't being hit, you know, am I going to really risk taking my Kraken? Welcome to the, <laughs> you welcome to the Starliner. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to have fuel to... 
fly your ship. Yeah, yeah. And wait till that happens, right? Wait till people start weeping about having to go start throwing dead bodies out the back of their ship because they got to earn some money real quick, right? Well, hello. Yeah. Only on the blue line, sort of star line. So, this is all sort of something that CIG have talked about before when it comes to um, ships and mm -hmm. you lose your ship and the ability to replace that ship. You, you won't be able, I mean, something like an Aurora, yeah, you can probably get a new Aurora, an insurance, insurance will pick you up a new Aurora anywhere, because they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. But if you, I don't know, an 890 jump? <laughs> yeah, you may have crack it. Yeah, you may have insurance on that, but it has to be built. It right. has to be where one that has the facilities to build it, and two, mm -hmm. it has all the materials to build it. And they actually talked a lot. I mean, tests were the, the reasons that they talked about it, because test of the reason basically everything happens mm -hmm. um but the idea that an entire org could essentially blockade a factory if there's only one place that the 890 jump is is creating mm. blockades that factory so that, that factory can't get anything in or out guess what you're not getting your 890 jump back mm. they spoke on that eris uh yeah at some point you can you can clog up the pipe but you better believe uh, Tony is going to send some crystals of NPCs down that drain oh, and yeah, drain but... that, that, that blockage with NPCs to say, wait a minute, we're not getting, they're going to give out word to say, hey, we're, there's a blockade. And all of a sudden that 90% is going to rain hell down onto that blockade and say, okay, let's see how long you're going to hold this down. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the challenge. That's going to be interesting, right? But at some point, they're gonna they're gonna beat it down, and then you're gonna have piling on actual players too to jump in because those become mission givers. Hey, we got security, uh, we got alerts that uh, there's a blockade, pirates, and we got X amount of UEC a bounty on their heads. Oh yeah, let's take them out. Yeah. Hello to the Apollo, hello to the Crucible, <laughs> and hello to the Reclaimer. Those y'all out there. Those are wonderful systems, <laughs> wonderful areas to chime in at. Just sit behind the moon and wait for Good the destruction. Huh? Just sit behind the wait. Wait. Don't, yeah, don't just forget wait. the vulture, baby. Don't yeah. forget the vulture. I'm going to be in it. Yeah. Yeah, Aris, Black boxes included. Yeah, right. I, I think that idea about blockades and the things that will, and, and not just as simple as, as blockades, I'm also Ship thinking graveyards. about, we've talked about this risk versus reward thing before. And, you know, originally everybody's thinking, I'm going to take my so-and-so out. I'm going to take this out. But as soon as you get that first insurance report that says, oh, yeah, uh, your ship will be ready in four days. <laughs> you know, the word is going to spread real quick. And a lot of people, I always tell people, don't underestimate these starter ships. I tell you, I fly in them all the time. And I'm telling oh, yeah. you, it, it, like you said earlier, easy to get an Aurora, you know. But, Pick yeah, you, when your Polaris gets up. trashed. Um, you know, yeah, all your buddies, say, hey, let's take your Polaris out. Boom, that bad fella's gone. They say, see you in seven days. We'll see when you get it back. You're going to be like, oh, man, was it really worth it? Mm -hmm. This versus reward is really going to mean something in this game. Let's fly your 890 instead. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Here we go. It's the solution. <laughs> Can, uh... Yeah, I'm supposed to flip. We'll flip over to the end. Yep, let's go ahead and flip the screens. It's exciting, I really promise. 
<laughs> there we go. Yeah, there it is. So this is quantum, and I know what you're thinking, and I've seen this before. If the visuals look you know, particularly familiar, it's because we started with the solar system map uh, that we released years ago. But this really is a totally different beast. Star map. The original star map referenced static data. There was nothing dynamic about it. But quantum is totally different. For starters, it has access to all of the backend services and can pull whatever data it needs from them. Everything you see on the screen then, that's real-time data pulled from the game. So let's go ahead and take a quick tour of the system. Okay, let's go ahead and jump on over to everyone's favorite gas giant, Crusader. And in the background there, you can see Port Olisar. Let's go ahead and bring that up. Now, let's, I mentioned that we're connected to all the real-time data. Uh, let's go ahead and see can what the players this, are up please? to. Can I have this now? <laughs> yeah, th this was pretty amazing That's stuff. So, each of those red dots is a real player, thousands of them across well over 100 servers. Uh, now, Actually online. to be honest, we recorded this earlier mainly because we didn't know how many people would be playing the game while we were doing this show. Y'all are here, right? And I figured it would be totally anticlimactic to say, here are all the players, and three dots showed up. So let's go ahead and continue the tour of the solar system and jump on over to uh, Daymar. And you can see a number of people affixed to the planet. Some of those obviously are going to be at outposts. Some of them are inevitably mining. Um, over there on the right, you can see the, the current player list. Let's go ahead and see what a couple players are up to. Just go ahead and highlight them so we can see where they're at. And let's go ahead and jump to Circo Worm and see where he's at. It looks like he's in Lorville. It's Big Brother keeping an eye on you. There he is. Hi, buddy. And you can actually see some deaths down on the planet there. So obviously there's been some conflict there. And you actually see, let's go ahead and back out a little bit and find there's a contract to the right. You have access to missions, so you can see that no Calypso's Norwang is requesting personal transport to Norville, to Lorville, and he's uh, willing to pay $4,500. Good on you, buddy. Um, let's go ahead and jump on over to Ariel, and we can get a view of those probability volumes that I was talking about earlier. And so what you're seeing here, there are, as I mentioned, there are a variety of different types um, and lots of different content and thematic tags for all these Amazing. things. So you can see everything from the default tags, you can see the security reinforcement tags, the bounty hunter tags, the spoofing tags. Um, there are a number of these, we'll be adding more. In general, what it's doing is, as I mentioned, uh, it's basically representing things in probabilistic state because it's too expensive for us to fully simulate them. Um, now let's go ahead and jump over to a shop. Let's check out the Hicks Research Station that's on Selen. Yeah, we've got to go over to Crusader. And let's go ahead and open up that shop. Oh look, here's... Yep, there's Outpost Korea, and you can see that there's a lot of, a lot of death around there. 
and over on the right at the Hicks Research Station, yeah, you can see all the types of stuff that I'm waiting on. And what those something this detailed and this data oriented. Now, I suspect I know what you're thinking at this point. This is, this is all very cool, but it doesn't really solve any of the fundamental problems that I mentioned earlier, and that's totally true. So let's clear the board and get to that. Can you stop so, right there, Griff, just for a second? Would this be a possibility if they're going to put this in the ship huds? Like maybe your... Um, Like, like maybe your uh, uh, like the um, Carrick, you know the Carrick has the uh, the area in the back of the ship, the cartography, yeah. and there's a possibility. I know I know Jared said and said that there's a possibility that he would, uh, or at least he envisioned that those uh, that huge wall, that huge circular wall in the back could have all screens on it, mm -hmm. and that was something that he envisioned. Uh, I mean, would this be be able to be implemented in the game? for each uh, screen like that that you can go ahead and use to look at something like they this? That, okay. They mentioned that, Kay. They did I, mention that. Yeah. All right, I just wanted to check and see yeah, if they, I wasn't going they, crazy. The integration for the star map, I don't know if she was going to say Eris, but they did talk about integration of the star map eventually into the ships. Right, so, that's the whole purpose of Spectrum, right? Exactly. I mean, eventually, okay. that what you look at on that web version of, of the screen is going to be what we can pull up in our ships. I am interested in maybe... I don't know if Eris, if you're going to say something That's about the cartography, because the cartography the is different from the, as you mentioned, Colossal, on the character's cartography in the back. But in the front, we have it on the 600 also, is the scanner, that globe that floats. There's two different things. And so one is more tactical versus the cartography. So I'm just kind of curious as what will be the distinctions between those two also. They're going to go well, away from that MobiGlass uh, app. You're in your ship and you're doing this inside your ship. I never use it in my ship anyway. <laughs> I always use the panels, but you're right. You're right. Go, Eris, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I mean, we'll never get this exactly because this is going to be a full on, like, this is just a dev tool. Right. But but you can think, I mean, in the back of the character, you'll probably have something like the star map where you can see mm -hmm. all the star systems. Mm -hmm. everything but then when we're talking about the um like the more the tactical station you might actually get something somewhat similar to this based on the scanning job you've got mm -hmm. someone so mm -hmm. someone good enough job scanning for you you might actually get this this sort of circle and here are the people around you mm -hmm. or maybe the money like the information that comes from a data runner right but, the data but, runner gives yeah. you that info that's what pops up on that tactical globe you know that could be another factor what comes up i think that the i love to use the word here comes fast cart the fidelity of the screen <laughs> might <laughs> what, might migrate it into simple. it yeah but i think but, yeah I, but how much of the data that. colossal i think it's a good point it's just that how much of this data real-time data is going to be relevant to gameplay versus as you said eris what's going to be more developer oriented stuff that we see i'm sure there'll be some portions of it you know that we will be able to get through data running scanning stuff of that nature yeah it'll be we great if they see, put that in there. Uh, we, we will see to a degree the galactopedia aspect to mm -hmm. the systems as well to get an overview of that system and the planets and moons mm -hmm. that's yeah. a good point it'd be nice if they had something like the avatar i already sent it to you cig yeah. look through your uh, issue council, but but it's, don't it's, use that as gossip on the ship, right? Avatar, 
Yeah, we were watching so Avatar a couple weeks ago. Their scanning that they had for the planetary scanning was amazing. And, oh. and Colossal oh, sent yeah. that to them a long time ago and said, this should be the scanning in Star Citizen. So. <laughs> wow. All right, here we go, guys. Plus to have one unified world where we can you know, simulate millions of NPCs and feed back into that all of the player actions into one unified whole. So there's really no difference. There are some optimized areas, the probability volumes that exist in between these two, you know, these two realities. But really, this you know, th this is this is the full-blown simulation. It takes into account all the player actions. So let's go ahead and start by bringing a thousand quanta to life. You know the wrong one. Mm. So, Jake here is cranking the number of quanta up to a thousand, and they're me. basically going to come streaming in from yeah, other systems. Ahead of the game. There. These are simulated entities. <laughs> the, the real significance of this is when you're talking about working out the vast multitude of details that we really need to allow this universe to evolve and feel dynamic, we don't actually need all of the incredibly high fidelity, super computationally expensive stuff that we would get if we were actually simulating these NPCs the traditional way on the server so that they look exactly like they would when you see them. These NPCs don't need to do animations. They don't need to do physics. They don't need to do uh, collision detection. They don't need to do a whole slew of things that we couldn't afford to do. It would be incredibly expensive to try. And in the end, even if we did it, it wouldn't make the end results any more accurate. So. They also have uh, personality traits, too. Like yep. Each one has a little bit yep. of something going on. Yeah, there are a number of different traits um, that we're modeling. We're still working out the exact configuration. Um, one of them is ambition, and that specifies how far a quantum can push themselves relative to others, whether in crime or legitimate enterprise. Another one is intelligence, and that dictates what sort of things they can pursue and how well they can do something. Uh, happiness is a measure of whether a quantum, the singular form of quanta, is miserable or content, and unhappy quanta want to change their situation, move to a new location, change occupations and that sort of thing. Aggression controls the lengths to which a quantum will go to achieve their objective. Just don't feed a business-oriented quantum with a lot of aggression <laughs> might push their workers harder, trading their happiness for more profit, and as a result have to deal with more turnover. And lastly, criminality, that determines the amount of criminal behavior that a quantum will consider. Uh, no criminality equates to a law-abiding quantum. Uh, having a very little means that they might be willing to commit some minor crimes like smuggling or illegal mining. And a lot means that they're open to piracy and murder. They can have possessions, store up money, own a ship or property, have a home. Now, all these quanta have basically come to rest within the system. And the reason for that is because there's nothing for them to do. There's no reason for them to get up off of the couch. So, let's jump to the next slide. This is when it gets good. We're going to add a little bit of interest to the system by adding an aluminum mine to Delamar. So we've now injected a mine onto Delamar, and yet you see the quanta still refuse to do anything. And that's because there's no economic reason for them to do it. There's nothing to do with the ore that they could go and extract. 
Let's go ahead and open up that card, though. That so that card represents the mine on Delamar, and you can see a couple of stats towards the top, quantity and purity. And what these are is basically telling you how much of that material is in that mine, and purity is, to some degree, a measure of concentration. It, it effectively details how easy it is to extract it. Um, there are a couple of parameters at the bottom that are temporary. Those will eventually be derived from those top two parameters, um, but for right now, we can override it for some, of this, for some of the testing that we've been doing. So let's go ahead and jump to the next. So now we're going to go ahead and add an aluminum refinery to Crusader. And immediately, you will see the quanta start springing to life. And what's happening is they've all figured out <laughs> they've, that refinery, it once to build up a stockpile of aluminum. And in order to do that, it needs some raw aluminum ore. And thus, it's willing to pay for it. And so the quanta are, are seizing upon that economic opportunity, heading out to Delamar, doing the work, extracting that ore, and taking uh, it back to the refinery. And this will continue until, it, you know, until, it's, until it's full. So let's go ahead and open that card up again, and we can watch the refined aluminum ore gradually build up. You can also see the number of workers. A few of the quanta, so you see many of them actually acting as miners. There's also a number of them that are working uh, in that refining factory. Refineries can't process this material um, you know, uh, w without labor, and there's a formula that dictates how much labor is, is required in order to process this stuff. And so they have to hire a sufficient number of workers in, act in order to actually uh, execute this operation. And so this would continue for quite a while. Let's go ahead and speed up the simulation a bit. And go ahead and keep watching the aluminum inventory. Is That's finished, so they're now building up their raw ore to basically load up. And after that, the entire economy comes to a halt. There, the one refiner we've added has no more incentive to buy more. It's, it's, its storage houses are already full, and therefore it's not willing to buy. Since no it's not bad. willing to buy, the quantity That's when you should see the do. prices just drop. Yeah. So what we're going to do now is add a factory. But before we do that, let's head on over to the power plant formula. And you can see surplus. here that building a power plant, um, just like refining ore, requires something. It requires 10 workers working for a duration of 60 ticks. And it also notably requires two units of refined aluminum ore to, in order to produce one power plant. It's got to be more complicated than that, I promise. So. Yes. Again, we're, we're building up. So let's go ahead and add the factory to Hurston. Some of those components. And so once again, you see the, see the economy spring to life. And so now you've actually got two different tiers going. Mm -hmm. Probably a the quantum factory. drive. Yeah. Let's go ahead and open up the factory. More components. The factory, just like the refinery, needs workers in order to so build these power plants. It also needs refined aluminum. So now you've got multiple things going on. 
the factory is willing to buy refined aluminum. Someone has to transport that aluminum from Crusader to Hurston. So some of the quanta are basically working, you know, they're, they're basically working as freighters to move that, you know, to move that product from one location to another. Some of them were working at the factory on Hurston. Some of them were working at the refinery on Crusader. Some of them are heading back to Delamar to actually do more mining. So you've got an entire little, you know, economic cycle going here. However, it's going to wind up coming to a dead end here. Let's go ahead and accelerate it again, just like what we saw before, because eventually the factory fills up all of its warehouses. It can't take any more. It therefore has no more, you know, it has no more need for refined aluminum. That will eventually shut down the refinery, which will in turn eventually kill off the miners. Uh, and you can <laughs> see the there that the kill all the miners. still building on the aluminum. <laughs> which is why there's still some activity. But as soon as it's done, it starts flat. The NPCs are so smarter than us in that sense. Yep. And we're, now we're, we're probably dumb done. just looking around and The factory has basically got, it, it's, it's got all it can handle. The refinery has all of its, all it can handle. Therefore, the, the, the entire loop you know, draws to close again. So let's add one more node. A, let's add a shop that sells power plants to ArtCorp. Go. Slow it down again. And so now the loop is a bit more complicated. The shop is looking, it's a retail shop, it's looking to sell power plants. In order to do that, it needs to be able to buy them for one price, sell them for another. So it adds its markup on, and it, just like the factory that requires transport of the Margin. refined aluminum from Crusader to Hurston, it needs the power plants transported from the factory to it. And so if you notice, there, if the individual quanta, they'll actually have a little translucent circle around them if they're carrying goods. And so you can easily differentiate whether or not the ones that are moving, for example, from Hurston back to the mine are empty, they're going to load up on ore. Mm. And then when they're heading from, or back to Delamar, and then from Delamar back to Crusader, um, they've actually all got ore. And so this loop will actually continue indefinitely. And the reason is because we've cheated something for tonight, which, and it sounds very similar to what I was basically saying was a bad idea earlier, which is the shop right now is a simple consumer. It's, bur it's burning off that inventory. The difference here is that the solution to that is very simple in the context of quantum. And the reason is these quanta, the next step of what we'll be working on is they'll actually require ships. Ships require engines. And so all of a sudden there's a real demand for how many power plants do you need? How many ships do you need? It all follows this. Okay, let me stop for my light bulb moment here. Mm -hmm. The NPCs will need to buy components for their ships. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> I mean, I've, we've always thought about this game from a two-dimensional space of what we're purchasing as real players, but to think that not only will NPCs have ships, they will need to equip their ships as well. That's mind-blowing for me. And not only equip their ships, but replace their ships when we blow yes. them up. Yes. So every ship, every pirate ship that you go in and blow up is a pirate ship that's going to need to be replaced, which mm. will fuel the economy. It's just... <laughs> Keeping it in perspective, that's all of us, guys. I mean, that not just NPCs who's 90% of the verse, but the 10% who are us, who, who are randomly, like, 
We're well, we trying know. to run cargo, <laughs> and we're in the mix as well because we've been pirated or we've been shipjacked and stripped of our components and left floating. You're, you know, <laughs> so we're in that school of fish as well. Yeah, and the sharks have taken over basically. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's like, what are we gonna do? We're mm -hmm. we're man, we're skating up the hill. <laughs> Colossal, you got anything on that? Uh, what are you going to do? You're going to own an Apollo, a Crucible, <laughs> or, a or a Vulture. That's what yes. you're going to yeah. do. Yeah, true. Because that's going to be your side true. job when you ain't got yes. a real job. Yes. You, you have to be do, versatile. What you're going to you do is you're going to pay your taxes. You have to be versatile. You're going to pay your taxes because taxes are important. And taxes <laughs> fund the UEE, which will defend yes. you. Pay your yes. taxes. Military ships. Mm. Or you could be a pirate. <laughs> it's you know it's they're gonna have their problems as well. Mm -hmm. I mean because they're gonna have to stay on the outskirts. They're gonna have to stay away from those lanes where, where there's security details. Yeah, and they need components and stuff. It's gonna yeah. be tough. Yeah, I, it just for me, you know, most of the games that we played have always been mostly dependent upon human gameplay, and so for me to hear that this much detail has been put into NPC AI gameplay. Is just mind blowing to me because again, while we're sleeping, this stuff is still going on. You know yeah. what I mean? You come back to the game seven. and things have changed. If you've been gone for a week, has the economy shifted? Has a system that was very good to you before no longer, you know, the system that yeah. you need to go to, you know? I have a good here. analogy. Hang on, let Eris, Eris go ahead, say Eris. I've got the real question for you all. So we keep being told that we're the 10% of real players in this 90% simulation. But are we really being told that and we're actually the simulation? We're the AI running? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. The blue pill or the red pill? Yeah. Which one do you want? Yeah. That's what I want to know right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. Okay. <laughs> yes, basically. Here, here's my analogy to this from all we were seeing. And when we, we talked about the terms of a script. And, you know, you have very, especially with this community here at Star Citizen, is that they are going to circumvent these scripts. They're going to figure these scripts out. Prime example, when we started doing the cargo runs, people were like, oh, you want the Laranite? Get the ice. Mm -hmm. Anything that's ice is valuable. Mm -hmm. And then they started having these, 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 these tables to know exactly what to run. So it's scripted, and they will, they will circumvent, and they will spoof it. Mm -hmm. But here's the analogy where it comes in. Old school. Uh, tabletop Dungeons and Dragons, you have the Game Master. So you're going through your adventure. And as you go through, the Game Master is making the creative, this creative adventure as you go along. Not that it's exactly scripted, but if something goes south, they will throw a curveball at you and make you think about what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. That It's dynamic. Yeah. And so in that sense, it's very unique in regards to Star Citizen where when you compare it with these other AAA games, it's it's a it's a you're on rails, mm -hmm. and people will figure out the the bugs and mm -hmm. and workarounds to get to the next level. But this yeah. this is something totally different mm -hmm. because it, it's a natural flow of how these things progress, and it, even though it's natural, there's random things that happen, mm -hmm. and that's very unique in this game. That's a good point. I remember in Eve, there would be times where the devs would jump into the game just to throw something at us. It was very spontaneous, unexpected. You're right, Kimmy, that, that, but for them to be able to do that and the unpredictability of even the NPCs in the game, 
you know, who will they choose to pick and target? Who won't they choose and target? What are the demands that they're going to need? Um, there's a lot here. You know, there's a lot here. It's, it's, it's very ambitious as far to me. I don't know if you guys think it is, but I think that what they're putting together uh, is unparalleled when it comes to AI in these type of MMO games. We've seen some pretty decent AI, but this is this is kind of taking it to the next level as far as I'm concerned. So. Well, once again, this is where the lore steps in. Mm-hmm. Because just like Eve does, and Eve tends to control its gameplay through its lore, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, then Star Citizen could do the same thing. I mean, you could see a drastic stop stoppage of supply based off of, let's say for right now, we got an election. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a war that could be going on in the area. Mm-hmm. You could have an invasion that could interrupt all this. Mm-hmm. Then now you're going to have to have player dynamic controlled economy step in and it's in collaboration with that. Mm-hmm. Does the player controlled economy help augment or modify or dictate what's going on with the NPC with, with, with quanta or quantum? Yeah. I mean, these are the things where we keep talking about that we're waiting for in game. I've been talking about you know, player-driven economies for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and But when your lore steps in on this, it takes the game to a new level because now you can generate excitement and immersion through that and change the spectrum of the universe, galaxy, or system that you're in. So I just can't wait until they st- finally start implementing that because you're not going to see this constant flow all the time. Mm-hmm. Good point, Kay. I, I just want to clarify one last thing before we mm-hmm. get back to it. It's uh as as absolutely astounding and impressive as as quantum and quanta are this it's they're not really ai so the mm-hmm. actual in-game ai is going to be something completely sure. different something that cig still have to do a lot of work on right yes right. but but this is this is the system behind it it's mm-hmm. the the systematic economy is yeah. just nuts yeah. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah, and thank it's you for making the distinction. Thanks for making the distinction because it does. It's, it's from the AI. And I thought the other thing that was it was impressive was him talking about how by them doing this, they don't have to actually create um, what was Script. it the the AI whatever they call it. He said, we're, in other words, we don't have to create these entities that exist in the game where you have to worry about collision. This is where they're saving all that memory space and whatnot. It's based just yes. on probability. And if the probability strikes, then it's initiated. But if not, it's, it's always running in the background. Always running. It's thousands and thousands of Schrodinger's cats. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Okay, here we go. Same you know, logical equations. So let's go ahead and add a bit more economic complexity. So thus far, we've shown a very basic economic loop. One commodity, one refinery, one factory, and one retail shop. The real world, of course, is far more complicated. You'll have lots of different commodities, refining and production nodes, retail shops, and of course, players in quanta competing against one another for a limited supply of goods and services. It's this competition, this economic natural selection that ensures that things remain in balance, that a logical equilibrium is reached. So, our current architecture basically has players connecting to a game server. And, the ser- and then we've got services behind the scenes 
that can feed information to these servers and receive information back in return. And so you can see here, you know, we've got shop services and probability volume services and all of this sort of thing. The basic problem with this arrangement is that services don't have any knowledge of what NPCs are doing, or rather what they should be doing. So that shop service that controls the prices, it's got algorithms, but it has no real understanding. It doesn't understand that there are 10,000 NPCs that do or don't need this, or what pirates are doing, or any of that. We don't simulate at that high level anywhere within the game right now. You have servers that basically instantiate the stuff near you, and you have the services that can run the, you know, these formula, and that's basically it. Now, they can implement these services, these algorithmic price calculations, but supply and demand only come from players and hard-coded formulae. And it's the same for missions and PVs. The data is completely static and can't evolve. The number of servers, of course, as we've seen here, uh, it varies depending upon how many players are in the game. So let's go ahead and add quantum. Quantum changes this in dramatic fashion. It gives us a place where we can efficiently simulate NPC behavior and then feeds that behavior to the game server so that players can experience it. Further, it allows player actions to be fed back into the simulation so that there's no meaningful difference between the real and simulated worlds. Quantum creates a complete loop. NPCs can be simulated in efficient fashion. And actually, I meant to say that quantum feeds the services, which in turn feed the game servers. So let's go ahead and get back to the simulation. And what we're going to do now is alter the power plant formula. So let's add a bit of complexity by changing the production formula for power plants to require Laronite. Add some. We need to change. No, we need to change the production formula. No, we gotta change the. We gotta add Laronite first. Oh, right, yeah, okay. Yeah, we do want to add the new mine first. So we're going to add a, a Laronite mine to Walla. And then we want to go ahead and add a refinery for this Laronite. We'll add that to the Hurstonels 3. And now let's go ahead and adjust that power plant formula. Hint, refinery at Hurston L3. And we're going to change the power plant <laughs> formula. Right now it requires zero Laronite. We're going to change that to two. And what we're going to very quickly see here is that we're going to start getting some Laronite flowing to the Hurston factory so that the power plants can continue to be created. Yep, and that's, that's, that, that's, that loop, that's that loop of guys wow. right there. That's what they're taking. Um, now, one of the important things here is that the, let's go ahead and look at the Hurston aluminum. Bring Hurston factory aluminum. Now, what wound up happening there is it was very low for a period of time, and that's because they were actually burning off that aluminum inventory as fast as they could get it. And the reason why you see that spike there in the aluminum inventory is because as soon as we altered the formula so that power plants now require laronite, they were still receiving from all these freight freighter transports. They still had aluminum coming in, but they could no longer produce power plants. So it stalled, and then all of a sudden they started stockpiling, stockpiling. And then when you see that the aluminum started falling, that's because finally the, the, they started receiving supplies of laronite, and they were able to resume the production process. And so all of a sudden, their aluminum started getting burned off at a natural rate. 
So now we're going to add a bit more Laronite out in the asteroid fields, and Jake's going to handle that via macro. And now let's go ahead and increase the supply of aluminum and see what happens. So we're going to add a few new mines. So let's add an aluminum mine to Selen first. Let's add one to Aberdeen as well. This is not your dad. And lastly, game. we're going to do Lyria. This is definitely not Nintendo 8 bit back in the and day. And if you remember, we already have an aluminum mine on Delamar. They're telling us we need to hurry up. <laughs> you can jump ahead, I guess. Uh, I, you you guys want us to hurry up or keep going? Mm. <laughs> All right, so it's like 400 to 1. Tony the ringmaster. <laughs> no, nobody puts Tony in. Right. Did you say don't encourage him? Let's add a couple more aluminum refineries as well to the Crusader L4 and Artcorp L1. Crusader L4. Yep, and Artcorp L1. Yep. So now let's go ahead. We just added all of this new aluminum. So let's head back to that Hurston factory and see what aluminum prices are doing there. What's that factory having to pay for aluminum with all this new supply, these new mines, these new refineries? And there you see that the price is starting to fall off. Can you speed, speed, it, speed it up a little bit? Let's let you see what it does. And if you see, it continues to plummet. So those prices are pretty much falling off a cliff now yeah. from all that extra supply that's been brought on without us having to go back and rebalance anything. Um, so let's go ahead and head on over to Selen. And you can see that Selen is in very close proximity to Crusader. So you've got a an aluminum refinery and aluminum mining, yet there's very little activity. And the reason is because the aluminum at that mine is very difficult to extract. So let's go ahead and adjust the mining time on Selen from 180 to 120. And what this, again, reflects is how difficult it is to extract from that particular location. And so you see there now you see a few guys are actually willing to put in the amount of work necessary to extract it. Not all of them, it's still a lot of effort. And this comes back to every one of these guys having their own individual uh, set of traits. So some of them were willing to endure you know, more risk, more, you know, you know, uh, more effort, that sort of thing. So let's go ahead now and increase the Laronite consumption. Let's just go with normal pace. <laughs> there you go. So let's make the Laronite more difficult to work with and more rare and see what happens there. So we're going to adjust the global Laronite refining time from 60 to 120. 
adjusting the time on Walla. We're going to do both. The global refining time, we want to take it to 60 to 120. And Walla's extraction of time goes from 60 to 180. That's right. Sixty to one twenty. Yeah. There night. So what we've just done is basically make it more time consuming, more <laughs> difficult to refine it, and we've basically made it more difficult to pull it out of the ground. So let's go ahead and apply a macro also to refault to reduce the default purity of layer night from fifty to sixteen percent, which thank means you, that refineries you. are going to need more ore to produce the same amount of refined product. Seven noobs. Reactive. And now let's go ahead and take a look at the layer night prices on the Hurston factory. So we just did three different things to make it considerably, you know, uh, more expensive for layer night to be utilized. Speed up that time. And speed it up, and you can see that layer night prices are going up, up. It looks like they're starting mm. to skyrocket. This could be a complete point. economic disaster. <laughs> if you notice, they're just going up, up, up. So what we're going to do now to bring that back into control is let's go adjust the power plant formula to compensate a bit. So let's adjust it from, instead of two layer night, let's change it to 0.1. So we just reduced the amount of layer night needed in the economy by 95%. And let's head back and check out the prices again. And what we should see here in a minute is Laronite should start to drop off pretty significantly. And there you go. Crisis averted. And this will continue to drop if we watch it. You always get a little bit of turbulence because you've already got contracts you know, set up and stuff. Right. Go ahead and leave it in. I just want to see it drop a little bit more. We all want to see it, Tony. So it's, it's already down 40, 50%, and it'll keep, it'll keep falling. Um, we'll okay, jump so now let's go ahead and, and add some additional factories. Delamar looks pretty dead. <laughs> there isn't a lot of economic activity happening over there. So let's add a bit of life by adding a new power plant factory. Yeah, one over here too. And yeah, let's add a Hurston L4 factory for power plants as well to create a little bit of competition for <laughs> aluminum. And then let's head on over to Hurston, Hurston factory, and let's check out their workers. Um, you notice that their workers are falling off a cliff. What is happening? Well, we just opened up a new power plant factory, and they're getting offered better wages from another place. And so, <laughs> and what are the wages going down somewhere on on, on Hurston? Let's see what the wages that they were offering. Um, I can't see it. So they were up at 
that 0.25? Yeah, Delmar is offering like almost three times the wages of. Yep, so there you see the differential, which is that factory is more desperate for workers. And so you see, let's go actually go, let's look at the, yep, the, basically the workers skyrocketed on Delamar and plummeted on Hurston. Um, and eventually those wages, of course, stabilize. They find a point of equilibrium, which is a big you know, point of you know, all of this. So let's go ahead now and make some major changes. We're going to do this with a macro, and you can see where we currently stand on the slide. There's like a bunch of stuff that we were supposed to be showing here. Absorb it quickly, everyone. <laughs> there we go. So we've added lots of aluminum, titanium, and degreesium. And the <laughs> entries that you see on the screen mark system. All of the moons now have wow. deposits. Uh, we've added a bit more laronite, but it's still pretty rare. We've also added a lot of Stop that right there real quick, Griff. We've added cooler and quantum drive recipes. Mm -hmm. Griff, can you stop for a sec? Can, yeah. can you stop that for a second? Yeah, I've stopped it. Let's stop it. Ah. Right. You're gonna have to go. You're gonna have to go back just a little bit. You went what to the diagram? Those materials. Yeah. Are you taking notes? Ha who <laughs> me? Take notes. Oh, okay. Thank you, Griff. There you go. All right. So I just want to take a wonderful picture of that one because that's going to give me some insight as what's going to happen in the next several months. Oh, I could have sent you that later. He's <laughs> so silly. Okay. I mean, but no, I'll just, I mean, this is interesting here. If they, if they're gonna if they're gonna proceed with this, yeah, you know, then this is gonna be telling for those of us who are the miners of the group, yeah, because this right here is valuable. Um, it's gonna let you know what type of resources you can um, exploit. Mm -hmm. But keep in mind, okay, that it's dynamic. As right. the supply and demand goes, those values will go up and down mm. based upon if they have it or if those veins are depleted or not. Mm. So they've uh, they've set this up so that you can't spoof it. It's mm. it's not going to be a script anymore. It's gonna it's going to be a living, breathing economy. At demand. some point, mm. you may find that aluminum is more valuable than gold, diamond, mm. because of its demand. Yeah, mm -hmm. stuff that we ignore, right, Kimmy? Like stuff like corundum and stuff that folks just don't even want to mess with or <laughs> aluminum. Yes. <clears throat> you might find that's the thing in that system to churn out like crazy for, for yes. a couple of reasons, right? As a miner, think about how much time you spend looking for um, laronite, right? Or bexalite versus how much time you spend running across aluminum. Yes. And you might decide to say, hey, if I fill up this caterpillar in, in one hour, versus me spending three freaking hours trying to find laronite, you know, because of course they're gonna yeah. make it more scarce. Right now it's in there just to keep us happy. But if you've got to dig deeper, you know, we haven't even gotten into this whole thing about, he said that they're gonna start putting resources deeper down in the planet. They're gonna be to the yeah. surface stuff no more. What does that mean when you've got to start literally pulling materials out of the deeper part of, the, of, a, of a moon? Um, and, and what type of equipment is that gonna take that maybe we haven't even seen yet? So. Yep. You know, the value of a lower end material right now, a resource could mean, you know, literally you're doing quite well. Again, as Kimmy said, depending on, on you know, a demand in that system, what's hot right now, what's not hot anymore, you know, you, you'll have to work it out. But Colossal makes a great point, though, because when you look at the essential components or elements that we need in the system, 
Quantanium will never lose its value. Mm -hmm. And so knowing Tony Z, it's going to be one of those rare occurrences that, that you stumble upon Quantanium, mm -hmm. and it's volatile at that. So it's there's a, 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 a short distance that you can go to, to safely transport that. But that value will always remain high in demand because we need that fuel. Mm -hmm. Or will it? <laughs> my point is go ahead Eris. I'm, I'm being serious so yeah you know what quantanium or whatever resource might be scarce in one system mm -hmm. but we have yeah. this mindset of one system because we've only yeah. had one mm -hmm. system what yeah. happens when there's a system that it's full of it yes all yeah. it's got is quantanium so and it can, but it can only disperse through a couple of systems easily. And then you need someone for it to be valuable. You need someone with a Hali to take it from that system 17 systems away. Yes. And that's value, right? Like it's everything, right? We can't think of just one system because the right. real value for hauling, the real value for Run. cargo mm -hmm. is going to be those jumps. long hauls. Long hauls. A star gonna, it, to help you make those jumps. So it's it's so, not yeah. about doing it yourself. On a, on a bigger scale, you have to scale up who you know, who's your friends in the mm -hmm. game. Not even, right? I I jump into a system and then I I set up a request. I need fuel at this location, mm. Mm -hmm. and then I jump to another one, right? And 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 you run that way, and maybe you even set up per system i need i need um uh what's it called when someone flies with you and keeps you safe escort. they're oh, like escort. yeah mm -hmm. I, I was i was thinking security blanket security detail uh, <laughs> like i need a i need a safety blanket from through yeah. from here to here and then i need a security from here to here and the, like and you set it all up and you've got this entire route that you follow because you've got a holy full of mm -hmm you know yeah it's so many layers yep yep and can you afford the best mm -hmm. can you afford the best Eris? <laughs> <laughs> all right here we go. I, i'm not i'm not gonna be able to afford anything <laughs> <laughs> i am the worst <laughs> all right here we go on the screen mark system all of the moons now have deposits uh we've added a bit more laronite but it's still pretty rare we've also added a lot of new refineries we've added cooler and quantum drive recipes to most factories, and they require aluminum, laronite, titanium, and degreesium. The demand for coolers and quantum drives has been introduced, and we've also increased the demand for power plants. And lastly, we've increased, you can see there at the bottom of the screen, the number of quanta from 1,000 to 2,000 so that we've got enough workers to keep the economy humming. Now, previously, we've seen pretty obvious cause and effect. At this point, though, the economy is starting to get pretty complicated. And we can look at a few graphs to see what's going on with some of the prices to uh, see this. And this is one of the most interesting things about a really complicated economy, which is these changes in quantities and prices, the purposeful movement of quanta, this dynamism, these are all opportunities that you'll, you're going to be able to exploit within the game, and they're in constant logical motion. So let's hit the next one. Be a shame if uh, somebody came to steal from these people, huh? Yep, we'll bring up the slide. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> you got to bring a slide. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we there go. it is. All oh, right, boy. so now we've, inter we've introduced some, some pirates. Oh, boy. Um, let's go ahead. And so you can see that there are four pirate kraken. There's the Nova Riders, Low Riders, Nine Tails, and Dusters. Pirates have to return to one of their bases in order to refuel, rearm. Um, let's go ahead. If you notice, they head to the areas of highest value. Sharks amongst the school of fish. Uh, if you, let's go ahead and zoom in there. And you can see that those are missions being created by the NPCs, no different than players would. In other words, you see a lot of deaths on a route that's got a lot of value. Um, and let's go ahead and hover over some of those contracts. These are contracts that are being thrown out by the NPCs on that route. What's happening is the NPCs are basically being, you know, some of the freighters are being picked on by the pirates, the ship is being destroyed, and now that NPC is, has ejected and needs transport back to civilization. And so they're requesting that. And these are missions that would be fed back into the game that you'd see, and you could wind up accepting these. Let's go ahead and take a look at uh, Hurston, the coolers yeah, and quantum drives. What about the ability to go ahead and get uh, discarded cargo? What do you want to go check out? The Hurston. Let's look at the, what happened to the cooler and quantum drives. Oh, yeah. So since we've now got a lot of pirate activity on that route, we want to see what's happening to the cost of some of those goods. <laughs> For a cool half a million UEC, you can get yourself your own power plant. That <laughs> sounds about right. It's actually normal. Piracy is really terrible for economics, you guys. So, <laughs> yeah. So let's go ahead now. You can really see it over at the coolers yeah. where it started at like a really reasonable thing. Like yeah, that's, that's pegged. It's just it's the scale. So basically they were down around 1,000, 2,000, and now they just absolutely skyrocketed in price because so many of the freighters moving, whether it's supplies or moving you know, the finished product from one location to another, are now being intercepted. And these quantas I mentioned earlier, it's like they have various traits, and some of them are very risk-averse, and they won't go down routes where you know, there's a significant chance of death. Quick pit stop here for me. I'm going to toss in my pitch about this is what drove me crazy about Eve was that if there was piracy or, you know, you're being attacked as a miner, that there was no impact on the economy, that the, the price of ship stayed the same resource, nothing changed. And that drove me crazy. I didn't mind getting attacked. I just didn't mind. There were no repercussions. I don't mean directly to me. But if you're cutting off all the people who are, let's say, mining ice because of oxygen and everything, you know, that they needed that, there should have been some impact economically in the game. Mm. And so I like the fact that if people are impacting a system, impacting a trade route, that if I happen to go into this particular, uh, what's the place called where you buy parts and equipment? I can't think of that guy's joint, the name of the place in the game. But if I go in there to buy a quantum, you know, a, 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 a cooler, and I say, holy smoke, 20,000. This thing was 3,000 last month. You know what I mean? I love that dynamic um, that we'll see impact based upon what's going on in systems, which may make me say either do I have the money to pay that extra over cost on it or am I going to get in my ship and just go someplace else and go to another system to buy it because I just don't have the money to buy. I've had that happen before, right? You don't have the money to buy that quantum drive you want, but it's cheaper 
over someplace else, you know, that might be another factor that I'll do too. So I, I like the fact that the economy is being impacted. Dumpers Depot. Thank you, Mikey. I appreciate that, buddy. And so yeah, to counteract some of this danger, Eve let's go. And this is Eve didn't have a Tony Z. <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> ahead and bring in someone to fight the pirates. So here comes some security. And what you'll notice is that security is drawn to areas of conflict where there's a lot of deaths and such. So they're going to wind up gravitating towards those areas where there's a lot of piracy. And there you can see them. Go ahead and over. Go speed it up a little bit, not 200. It's just 200 is too fast. It's difficult yeah. to tell what's going on. And if you notice, by the way, the police will wind up patrolling areas, so they're in constant motion, whereas the pirates basically are enabling uh, quantum interdiction fields. That's why they're basically picking a route on, you know, they're picking a particular location on the route between, you know, between two locations, and they're basically, you know, lying in wait. And the security, which doesn't know exactly where they are, is scanning the area looking for them. And so what you notice here is that the pirate situation is starting to look a lot better now that security's shown up and you would see this reflected over in the prices. And so what you have here is a perpetual game of cat and mouse to where the pirates look for the areas where they can reap the largest rewards with the least amount of risk and security is then drawn to them. And as soon as you get enough pushback from the system in terms of security, then the pirates look for you know, more opportunistic you know, pastures. And again, this is very much like what you would expect to see you know, uh, you know, in any logical functioning system. So. so let's go ahead and turn on the, the grid. And what you're looking at here is one of the big problems I referred to earlier is how we wind up getting Ugh. samplings of this, you know, of how we generate probability volumes. And so what this is showing you is we can look at one of these high conflict areas and it's basically tabulating exactly what's in that area. So you can see that there are 10 total quanta, one freighter, 11 pirates, five security. Uh, it also shows you the total value being transported. You know exactly what's going down that route. Let's take a look at a few other locations. Here you see the security and pirates are fairly even. Six pirates, seven security. Uh, you know, a decent amount of value, six freighters. So it's a, there's actually an almost equivalent number of freighters, pirates, and security. This is the information that quantum, and it's a small piece of the whole, this is what it would wind up feeding periodically to the probability volume services so that designers no longer need to go in and say, oh, well, we're going to hard code a certain amount of security, a certain amount of freighters, and it can never change. We ship it, that's all it's ever going to be. In this case, the simulation is running, it's constantly ebbing and flowing. And your actions over on the game side get factored into this result just like any of the quanta in this simulation. Okay, that reminds me of X Foundation 4. X4 Foundation. Oh yeah, X4, yeah. Because they have a so dynamic we've had economic system. Just the back-end services. And this honeycomb grid and is quite interesting. And the fundamental problem was that we didn't have a single area where the entire game could be simulated, where NPCs could request goods and services because they nice have a legitimate economic need and could vie with players to provide those things. 
we didn't have a way for this activity to determine what you see as you wander around the universe, thus eliminating the need to spend enormous sums of effort configuring vast quantities of static data that could never deliver the dynamic experience we really wanted. Quantum solves all of these issues. It also provides us with a lot more context, which means that concepts not previously understood, like how much risk there is in taking an item from point A to point B, can now be easily calculated. Information like this is vitally important to the price discovery machinery, and as I spoke about earlier, in a properly functioning economy, such things can and will generate a lot of ripples. We also get the information necessary to properly customize mission content, meaning we can deliver a lot more environmental and mission diversity without having to do any more work. I've covered a few of the large areas that quantum will impact, but the effects will be felt far wider. How many NPCs you see at a landing zone, for example, and what they're doing can now change over time. Manufacturing towns might boom and bust depending upon how much commerce is passing through them at any given moment. NPCs can grow and evolve separately from their interactions with players into powerful bosses, potentially, and you'll be able to witness their growth in lots of different ways. Criminal, criminal NPCs with a price on their head can move around the universe just like a player, making trying to catch them that much more fun. We've got a lot more work to do before Quantum is ready for integration with the rest of the game, but it's one of the last big steps in setting us up for a completely dynamic and systemic universe. Thanks for listening. Okay, so now that our brains are fried, um, there was a lot there. Uh, guys, just give us a couple of minutes. We are going to hit a part two to this, which is going to be uh, Chris Roberts' response uh, a, a week ago where he responded to the community with one question that was asked, and it was in relation to this. But real fast, if you guys can give me just a real quick feeling of what uh, stood out to you. Uh, let me start with Eris, and I'll work my way down. Eris, anything in particular about this presentation that still resonates with you from a year ago? I mean, it's it's the same thing has resonated with me from this uh, presentation since the presentation was given. It's that Quanta is what is needed to make the game work. It's the only way to get the game to feel alive. It's uh, really important, and uh, it looks really, really good, and I want it in-game. Colossal, <laughs> okay. what about you? It's the economy stupid. <laughs> okay, just that simple. Um, I mean, it's just another way, or it's just one of the ways that I've been looking for, waiting for in-game. You need an economy, economy, economy to give you a different facet of the game other than Pew Pew Universe or, the, or in addition to that. But uh, it's all about the economy. Once you get an economy in, in that game, it can help drive lore. It can help establish lore. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And it can help um, create content. Mm -hmm. So it's about time. I can't wait to see it. Okay. Kimmy? It's amazing that this is just the first iteration and it shows how far in depth uh, Tony Z and Sig is ahead of this game, uh, literally ahead of this game in laying down the foundation of making this, this gameplay so so dynamic. And it's, it's basically, it doesn't get old, right? It doesn't get old in this sense of just the first iteration. So as, uh, you know, Eris has talked about the more locations, as Colossal mentioned, uh, certain aspects of certain elements that we, we uh, 
are focused on to mitigate uh, issues of, okay, we've lost this. How do we bounce back? So that dynamic of being versatile and then these, these and ultimately all these different layers and the point that I made that uh, you can try and do this by yourself, but at the end of the day, you're going to be behind the eight ball in the, in the regards of the NPCs themselves. So this game encourages uh, teamwork, mm-hmm. working together just to stay ahead. But at the same time, things randomly happen in the game that persist. And as we get, and as you pointed out, Griff, you leave the game, you come back in, you're still in that same state of where you left things off as far as your items. But mm-hmm. 24 hours ago, or like three days ago, you, you play, things change dynamically. And then all of a sudden you're chasing after something else. So <laughs> again, this is going to, this is not um, Nintendo. This is not triple A as we know it. This is the future of gaming as we see it. And this is the game that other AAA games do not want to see this come to fruition. Mm, that's good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, you're right. You know, St. Tosin asked a question earlier. He said, well, if this gets put into the game, will things like Galog no longer be, you know, will they be worth anything in the game? Unless they come up with an API Galog that allows them to pull live data. Christendom have made it very clear that they want that live data to be accessible to us in the game. Uh, they're trying to create this whole thing where Spectrum ties in, the website ties in, the game oh, ties yeah. in. So when you're looking for the price of Laranite or what the best route is to go from here to there, ultimately, they're going to be able to provide that data within the game. So, But again, whether they'll create some API or something that allows Galog to say, hey, we can let you get real-time data so that you can keep up, maybe they will. You know, But will people stop the game to bring up their browser at that point? If it's already built into the game, if it's built into the mobile, or if it's built into your ship's computers, very doubtful. That 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 extra stepping will disappear. So thank you to the folks with Galog, though, because it's a great tool that they provide to the gamers. I mean, they really uh, do. Yeah. And it may be a while before we see it. But once that stuff's in game, I have to wonder whether or not people are going to make that effort to jump Man. out at all. So um, let me move into this next part here. Uh, real quick, guys, you guys know that a week ago, <clears throat> Chris Roberts... Uh, decided to post on Spectrum. He said, hey, uh, feed me a question. Whichever one gets the most votes, um, I'm going to respond to it. And so we're going to jump to that very quickly. I'm going to try to read this. I'm going to stop at a couple points and get some feedback from our folks. If you guys haven't read it, um, bear with me. It's late. I'm tired, but I'm going to do my best to get through. Y'all know how Chris is. Very, very uh, verbose in his explanations. Yes, I'm going to try to break it down here. Okay, and here was the question. The question is, how is the dynamic economy shaping up and is server meshing an essential requirement before Qantas shows up? Tony, and this is Chris is responding, okay? Um, Tony and his team have been depending, i been spending a lot of time this year fleshing out the internal infrastructure of the dynamic economy universe simulation. Now, don't forget guys, Tony had talked about this before CitizenCon 2019. Just as the last year, we got a lot more detail than we had ever had before. And Chris is going to kind of, yeah, and Chris is now 11 months later, even stepping it up even more. So here we go. One of the things is increasing data flow from the dedicated game servers, the DGS, to Quantum. These servers are what you as a client connect to, to handle the player's moment-to-moment simulation and are what will be meshed together eventually. They push up to the overall universe simulation the state of all players they are responsible for, but at a slower tick rate 
then that's then then they simulate as quanta doesn't need to be 30 frames per second as it is a much bigger picture simulation linking to various game services these are specific services for things like shops commodities resources encounters such as probability probability volumes or ai spawns and service beacons that any dts can query to get the global state of the universe services are how quantum communicates the state of the universe what sorry what you are calling the dynamic economy to the various game servers it's it's done this it's it's done this it's probably supposed to be you say way it's done this way to not overload quantum each service cache caches and updates the global state of the of the aspect say prices of items in shops for example it is a it is in charge of from quantum which is simulating this in a singular universe view and then can share that on demand to the various dgs that query it doing this allows us to scale the dgs count and not worrying about overloading the single singleton that is this universe simulation bear with me on the reading there guys i'm sorry reading state from back-end databases like the persistent database soon to be iCache to track player states and assets improving quanta the representation of a group of ai in the universe simulation ability for their traits and proficiencies to drive their actions and occupation and then lastly he says improving the star map and player analytics so that you can have a full view of the player's activities such as travel combat purchases etc okay so this is where he gets into the other stuff here <clears throat> last year's demo at CitizenCon demonstrated the high level simulation approach we are planning to take but a lot of the plumbing necessary for the player to feel the effective dynamic universe shared by all players, not just solitary 50, 50 player instances. Wow, sorry about that, guys. Don't know why that just happened. Uh, where did I leave off at? I'm sorry. 50 player instances. Thank you. Thank you. Wasn't in. So the work that has happened since then was a necessary step to link it back to gameplay so people can see the cause and effect that a dynamic universe will bring. Over the next couple of quarters, the team is going to work on further fleshing out quanta behaviors and varieties such as, check this out, tourists, entertainers, blue-collar workers, white-collar office workers, etc., and continue linking the overall simulation to the services to allow it to start to drive things in the game that you are playing, including the upcoming dynamic mission system. Fuel and repair costs are likely to be the first instance of pricing driven by the back-end simulation versus a formula mm -hmm. in the service which it is now from there we will slowly start pushing more of the quantum simulation like encounters probability volumes commodity and retail goods pricing and stock resources resource persistence no endless random chance to mine had night in the same point to the services yes. allowing them to drive the gameplay in the various dgs let me stop right there you guys got the game service. Yeah. The thing that stuck out to me with I never gave consideration to was this thing that he mentioned about tourists and entertainers and blue collar workers. Um, you know, for those of you who uh, played Star Wars Galaxies, it was great to have entertainers. But, you know, we haven't thought about the fact that not, you know, we've, we've got bartenders. Right. But we've also got the dance clubs. We've got the pool tables. We've got all these other things that could be NPC. That again, Chris doesn't put stuff in the game, and it's just there for decoration. Well, I want to say something to that, guys. Uh, uh, a while ago, I spoke. I spoke with Pedro Camacho, and he, I talked with him briefly about some of the music in the game, and and complimented him uh, accordingly. Right? It's amazing what he did. 
with the music. But uh, I mentioned we we had this conversation about his music background, and he grew up. Uh, his dad, jazz. That was that was it for him. That was his bread and butter. And I said to him, I said it would be amazing for us to see Pedro uh, have you do scores of music such as jazz in certain bars and areas of that nature uh, to change the dynamic and the environment within game of, you know, you have that global music uh, theme such as uh, our core, but to go to your local bar where you, where you spawn from to hang out. And there's, you know, bands that play that music where you hear music mm -hmm. piping through. So yeah, I, it would be awesome to see that. And I, I, I kind of see that coming down, uh, down the pipeline eventually when we have uh, actual systems that we can uh, gravitate to or be a part of. Mm -hmm. That would be cool. Eric, you got any thoughts on this? <clears throat> long, long time ago. Uh, <laughs> in the galaxy far, far away. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, no, one of the things that CIG had talked about at one point wanting to do, and and we've actually got a ship that's partially based on it, the uh, Reliant, I can never remember which one's which, but the, the like... The, oh, the Mako? The news van? News van, right? Yes, yes. But, but the idea that you could have news teams in verse doing live capture of stuff and then that could be broadcast back to the bars to tvs mm -hmm. um oh so, yeah i mean I, I don't know that's that's just what i think about anytime i hear like entertainer or anything else mm. in star citizen yeah jump right back to there's there's gonna be stuff for people to do there will yeah. be I share that with mm -hmm. you, uh, Eric. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. I share that with yeah. you. Colossal, any points on that? No. Okay. Got well covered. All right, cool. All right, we'll roll with it. All right, here we go. Tony's goal, or equal, his goal equals promise, he says, is to have elements of the dynamic universe start to come online next year. <clears throat> Some people ask, when is this supposed to happen? Likely towards the back half of the year, where players' actions can impact both the dynamic economy and other players. As far as server meshing being a prerequisite for quantum, that is not the case. The server mesh is the optimization that will allow the universe to be dynamically broken up into individual islands, each of which is controlled by a DGS, allowing us to scale the concurrent player count inside a single unified reality beyond what an individual server could handle. How likely are you to run into pirates at a given location? What missions are being offered where you where offered, where and for how much, the distribution and quantity of valuable ores, and which shops are short on what goods and what they're willing to pay to procure more is what Quantum, not the DGS, simulates. Quantum is responsible for the big picture of the universe. Quantum is not dependent on the server mesh as it is <clears throat> at, <clears throat> sorry, as it's a level above the server mesh but quantum is what allows the server mesh to reflect dynamics, the dynamic state of the universe. That doesn't mean that quantum is a, is a prerequisite for server meshing though. It's just the universe won't be as dynamic without quantum driving it. In the same way, the iCache is not a prerequisite for quantum, but when online, it will allow more fidelity of object state and tracking in the quantum simulation. 
Also, if some of you haven't seen the AMA that was put out in April on Quantum, it's worth checking it out. Okay, and that's basically where he stops at. Okay, so this has been the latest update that we've got from Chris um, to add for people who ask about when is all this going to happen? When will it come into fruition? According to Chris, they are working on it and they're talking about sometime in 2021 for the economy. Um, let me throw this question to both all of you guys. Do you think this will be something that they will implement first in Stanton? And the reason why I'm saying that is because CIG has made it very clear that Stanton is the test bed before they start spreading into the universe. Do you think that they'll just do something as simple as, you know, Microtech to Hurston, Hurston to R Corp? Give me some feedback. Kimmy, let me start with you on that one. All right. And, and I'm going to take, I'm going to uh, segue from what Eris said, and I'm going to compile what Colossal mentioned, and I'm going to bring it into what we just read. Check it out. Uh, so, Eris, you mentioned the Mako, and we're... Uh, getting that news feed, we're all in a bar, and all of a sudden we get this news feed that, hey, there's a big battle, and we see the footage and lay waste of everything. And I look over to Colossal, I said, hey, man, you got the Vulture ready to go? <laughs> and we, we all jump in the, in the Vulture or whatever salvage ship, go to that location where things have happened, and go ahead and start gathering the scrap. And basically what, what we're say, seeing is with the advent of them uh, possibly bringing out Pyro and they said how, um, what was the, what area was that? Daymar, Delamar? I get those two confused, but they're talking about br putting it back into Nick. So right. there's what Chris said. Delamar. They don't need server meshing to make that happen. So we can jump or even just quantum jump for the time being over to Pyro. So there we have that dynamic system happening where, you know, those items are there, black boxes, uh, metals, uh, other goods that as far as uh, pirates raided the ships, you, you got cargo that's there. So we're going out in the, in, the, in the vulture and just gathering all this stuff, even capturing, capturing fuel, as uh, Todd Pappy mentioned, mm -hmm. and bringing it back and selling it off. So there there you have it. Uh, we don't need the server meshing to happen, to be a thing, whereas uh, those, those the quanta items are there. Mm -hmm. And it can tell us, you know, go here, go there, mm -hmm. because it's available right now. Good point, good point. Colossal? Okay, so your question specifically, I want to make sure. Well, Chris, is, Chris kind of enhanced on it a little bit more, first of all, talking about the quantum is not dependent upon, because most of us have thought, that, you know, server meshing and maybe iCache, all that stuff had to be all together before we would see it. And he's saying that Quanta actually is not dependent upon it. He said the universe will be better with it, but it's not waiting on it. And again, and, about it coming out possibly sometime after Stanton. next later letter next year. Right. In, uh, right. In Stanton. Um, yeah, it, it'll be I think it'll be pushed out in Stanton first. I mean, look at what they already have doing in with Stanton anyways. I know Stanton is the only system they have out, but you mm -hmm. do have a. Uh, a planet or a moon that's supposed to be in the pyro system like Delamar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But they've already started the Mo Trader system. I mean, the Mo Trader money system yeah. in right. Stanton. Right. So I wouldn't uh, see why they would start it anywhere else mm -hmm. other than Stanton. Um, I mean, they still have to put in the actual Crusader planet and things like that. But um, I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they added another system and just like Pyro and just started moving from Stanton to Pyro with mm -hmm. that type of um, theory. 
but yeah, I, I, the, the, the groundwork's already in Stanton. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and since you have the first implementation of the new trader system, like the Mo Trader, or whatever you call it, mm-hmm. I would consider this another addition to it. So, yeah. Okay. Eris? Uh, so, I'd have to go back and watch the beginning of the video more closely because I wasn't, I was just listening to what was mm-hmm. saying. I wasn't really. But I believe at the beginning they actually show, like when they first turn the quanta on in that system that they're using, they all come in from other systems, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which sort of tells me that, and in that same that same sort of system, they were able to watch all of the players mm-hmm. be where they were, and those players, like they were showing us more of the verse mm-hmm. than just stanton Mm -hmm. so it it makes me think that that system yeah it gathers where players are Mm -hmm. and players are but it's running the simulation for the whole verse anyway so it doesn't matter what systems we have when Mm -hmm. they turn it on i i believe they could actually just turn it on Mm -hmm. it would use pyro and stanton or whatever systems we have as part of it and just run the full simulation mm-hmm. and would only account for i mean we only account for 10 percent, right mm-hmm. so it would, it'll run without us yeah that, that's a good point because he did yes. open up at the very beginning he opened up talking about how many mining locations shops you know he went through that it was like a few hundred you know what i mean so even if it just started generating from there and like you said if pyro gets introduced obviously the gate pro you know obviously going through the jump is another aspect of it but there's enough consumer places now what we haven't seen are when you talked about like the factories the places that start that we, we do have mining on yeah. planets so we you can see refineries coming but that's the only thing that we haven't seen is the manufacturing locations because we've got the shops and stores so if we start seeing that pop into the game, then we kind of know that they're probably getting there. So, you know, I, I, I thought it was great what Chris shared. Again, uh, the detail of how this thing is going to work uh, in the sense of how it drives the game. Kimmy, you talked about that again. The fact that this is constantly running. You know, I'm so used to when I shut down in the game, when I come back, I kind of pick up from where I left off at. But to come back... And the world, or for lack of a better term, the universe has changed, you know, since yeah. I left is going to mean something. Maybe when I go to sleep in my ship somewhere in space, God forbid, I wake up and I'm in the middle of a battle that's surrounding me. You know, who knows what's going to happen, right? But it's nice to know that that, that the that the universe is going to be dynamic. Uh, and, and, and again, I don't know very many games that are that. I mean, stuff does change in games, don't get me wrong. But this is pretty big to me in the sense of, especially with a nine to one ratio. With a nine to one ratio, the NPCs are tremendously impacting the universe, probably yes. more than the human players are on an economy level. On an economy level, okay. It's almost spoof proof. Yeah, that's a word. <laughs> that's a term <laughs> spoof proof. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got a couple questions that people have pumped in, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. We know this was a, a pretty intense video, but uh, for those of you who've hung out with us, we really appreciate the fact that you guys have been commenting and sharing your thoughts in relation to the economy and what Tony Z was sharing. We do have a couple questions that popped up. Uh, Parker GC8 asked, what do you guys like to do other than mining? Eris, let me throw that at you real quick. Other than mining, I'm not even sure if you're a miner, but if you are, what's the other thing that you enjoy doing in-game? I don't play. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> I I got I got no time. Yeah. I, like, I'll, 
play an hour of a game. Well, let's a let's week. put it to you a different way then. It, what is it you are aspiring to do once you get the space and time to finally settle in? What's really got your attention about Star Citizen that you'd like to do? I honestly don't even know anymore. Uh, okay. It's expanded so much since I first mm. like had my. Um, it's all going to depend on on time. Uh, travel times are, uh, <laughs> yes. So I mean, I want to do some mining. I want to do some exploration. I want to do some medic. I, I want to do just about everything. I want to mm. try everything. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, like like pickle skin there says, kids will do that. Life changes. I don't. I I have. <laughs> Our citizens started, and now, kids. Yeah, oh. yeah. My mine are twenty five and twenty four, brother. So I'm I'm, I'm finally free. I'm I'm I, but I, I you'll get there eventually. But I understand. Believe me, RL. And, and there is a time commitment to this I'll, game. I'll be free in 24, 25 years, and Star Citizen, <laughs> and Star Citizen will be coming out. He uh, says that now. Well, Wait till his kid can play the game with him. He'll be on here real quick with his kids sitting on his lap playing the game. So you, know. you, you, you have years. a guild in the making, Harris. You have a yeah. guild in the making. No worries. Yeah. Kimmy, what about you? Wouldn't what is there anything in focus for you for the game that you're into? Because I know you do well, stuff in the Prospector, but is there anything in particular that you'd like to do other than mining? Well, uh, just as things come online, I, and I kind of set myself up. Uh, I don't have I don't have that that package ship package or anything, or I'm that titled uh, holder of these different types of ships. But I, I kind of want to approach it with the means of being versatile. Uh, Colossal mm -hmm. mentioned that of just having that versatility mm -hmm. in the game of having more than just one function in in the game because mm -hmm. you have to. Uh, because of how things dynamically change and mm -hmm. you want to be able to shift gears but the other component to that me uh as as when i look at other people who play the game you don't have to be stuck to one thing mm -hmm. and, and or be that that lone wolf in the game you can partner up and work with other people if you need to change gears on different aspects of the career types in order to make your bottom line so it's 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 a um, it's a good balance of being able to uh, have different ships mm -hmm. or have relationships that you build out there in the verse to be able to accomplish your goals. So you're not stuck. That's the beauty of this game. You're not boxed into one type of thing. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of if if you're if you're you introvert. This is a great way to be uh, more outgoing in that mm -hmm. sense that you can partner up with someone or meet someone out there and all of a sudden this relationship builds and that's the beauty of what star citizen reflects about this community you see mm -hmm. what i mean Absolutely. that you you come together and all of a sudden you have this relationship with all i didn't know these guys and and i want to crew up with these guys <laughs> and, and do these different things and yeah. And, uh, you know, you may have a different ship. Colossal has a different ship. Eris has a different ship. I have a different ship. And we can form together and make something happen to uh, have a positive bottom line uh, in our goals. So it's, it's that dynamic. You're not boxed in with so, uh, 
soul citizens. Star <laughs> citizens. Star citizens, yeah. <laughs> no, it, but your point is real good because you don't have, you can't have just one ship, right? You really no. can't just have one. I'm saying, no, no, no. I'm saying no, you, you can't cannot. have, no, no, no. It's not what I mean. I was going to say you can have one ship, but you also have, as you mentioned, if you're limited with ships, you could always yes. crew up with somebody else. Yes. You could, that, that, that's your point, yes. that there's so yes. much flexibility there so that you don't have yes. to say, well, all I want to do is this. And if right. I can't do that, I can't make money. No, if you right. own nothing but an Aurora, I can ask you, dude, you're going to go out in your mole. Do you mind if I, yes. can, I can you hire me and I'll work with you? So you're right. There is a, yeah. that is a great aspect of the game. Good, very good Probabilities. Point. Very yeah, good probabilities point. happen. So yep. you could lose that one shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you can still make money in some way or other. You find some way to do yes. it. Yes. Colossal, what about you? What is it something that sticks in your head other than mining, something you like doing? Well, I love the fact that Kimmy mentioned um, versatility and I love the fact that he mentioned earlier when he talked about group play and other things like, you know, teamwork and random happenings. Um, just to help out Eris, you know, if he wanted to have something to do, he can go ahead and jump in that Apollo and scrap up those bodies that's going to be in those trade routes in the next <laughs> couple of years. But... Uh, but for me, I, I, Apollo airs, uh, but for me, I would go ahead and probably just do exploring. I'm fine with my Carrick and I'm fine with having that merchantman on the side so I can go ahead and stay out there. But I, 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 I'm trying to, I wanted to answer that question, which, which I did, but I didn't, I was skeptical to answer that question because I wanted to make sure that whoever asked that question didn't have the intent of piracy <laughs> out there when they saw Colossus <laughs> Tank. Yep. I hear you. I hear you. Okay, um, let's see. Other than money, I'm I'm like colossal to a bit degree. I'm I'm big on support, so I, I I'm the idea of being able to take out the uh, medical ships to go help people. He mentioned earlier about even the NPCs that they would eject and put out a beacon to be picked up. I mean, that's the type of stuff I think is cool. On an org level or group level, I'm into doing bomber stuff. I'm not a combat fighter. That's not my big thing to do. Uh, but any type of support stuff, I, I love doing stuff like that. Um, Mike G123 asked the question. I don't get this, Mike, so if you're still here, kind of give me some clarity. Do you think Chris Roberts is part of the media? I live in L.A., and I've seen him in the based media. I don't know what that means. It's, it's not clicking with me, so help me out there a little bit um, so I'll know what's going on. Um, and then Admiral Kusanagi says, Do you feel energy weapons will be more commonplace than ballistic ammo since the prices could become an issue? Do you guys think that uh, people will rely on, you know, energy weapons? That says that they that uh, prices could become, you know, variably priced, and you know. Yes. What do you, you think? Yeah. Yes, I would blow it up. Those of you guys with these size nine torpedoes out there, jumping on those re uh, what is it, retaliators? Yeah, I would jack up the price because so the people out there that sit there hitting people with those size nine, hitting freaking auroras and stuff with size nines. So yeah, I would definitely go ahead and jack up those prices, jack up the uh, the commodities, jack up the deposits. Well, I wouldn't jack up the deposits, but those of you that are selling the resources to make that, jack it up and sell it to those people. <laughs> they can pay for it. <laughs> well, I will say this. I remember when the Polaris came out and they talked about, was the Polaris has size 10s? Is that right? Since 10, size 10s or size 12s on it, whatever mm -hmm. it is. But the game price for those things is going to be no joke. I mean, you're going to be slapping the hand of the guy that's like your bomber guy, you know, who's going to be launching that stuff. He's just flagrantly launching them because they're very expensive to replace. So I think there is some point here about, you know, we've talked about operating costs of ships before, right? And yeah, I mean, I think people are going to have to be really serious about when they take out, 
these ballistics or these big torpedoes, how much, you know, are you going to be rapid firing them bad fellows? Are you going to be counting them every time you launch one? They tell you it's 50,000 credits per torpedo. That's no joke. It's no joke at all. Um, There was a question that fast cart i'm not paying attention to fast cart with his crazy self <laughs> fast cart you know, know we're on audible and up. itunes you know we're on audible and itunes so i'm not oh answering that question anyway all right well listen we had a really great time today uh, a lot of good information nice to go but always good to hear tony z um and so we really appreciate everybody who hung out with us tonight uh especially for the questions that you guys ask um let's see let me go down the list here let me start with eris Anything you tell us where people can find you, uh, where they can look you up, and anything else you want to share? Yeah, you can uh, find me over at uh, Relay, uh, Relay.sc or Twitch.tv slash Relay underscore SC or I don't know a bunch of places, Discord and such. Mm-hmm. I mainly just do podcasts or two Saturdays, mm-hmm. Relay Station mm-hmm. Tuesdays an unnamed game show where we talk about games other than Star Citizen, which is, I mean, there are other games. I know it sounds crazy. Just a few. There are a few. There are some, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's, that's me. Yeah, you guys, uh, FastCard just put their link in. You guys, make sure you hit Relay SC. Even though they're not there right now, click on them, follow on them. Uh, And the reason why I'm saying it is not because Eris is here, even though he's here. I'm saying this because... The guys at Relay are like what I call the legacy streamers. These are guys who have been around since the very beginning, and they have they have pushed through. There are a lot of good streamers that were around who are no longer around. They've just kind of petered out, or life has taken them elsewhere. But these guys have kind of held the torch for quite a while for us in Star Citizen, and we owe a lot to them because you guys basically started out like a news reporting thing in the beginning. I mean, they, that they they were like the source of like turning on your local news and hearing what the latest is in Star Citizen, and they've been around doing that for quite a while. So make sure you guys follow them. Make sure you check Passion them out. Passion is real. Very check them out. Transcripts at the beginning. <laughs> transcripts because. They'd have live shows, and then the only way to find out what they said was to watch a two-hour show. And it was mm-hmm. like, wow. well, no one does that. So we transcribed it all. But now CIG has started just summarizing what they're talking about so we don't have to do it anymore. It's great. <laughs> but, yeah. It's a lot of work. A lot of work. Yeah. Thanks, thanks a lot, buddy. And thanks again for coming on tonight with us. We really, really appreciate Thank it. Thank you give for having our, me. Give it's our love to pleasure. the guys over there, to David and or, or to, to uh, Snakara. And, and Shiver's already here, so you don't have to say anything to him, but you can say it's a hi to everybody else. <laughs> I, never, I never do say anything to Shiver anymore. <laughs> Colossal, tell everybody, say goodbye, whatever you want to say, or where can people find you? It was a pleasure. You can find me around those crazily wonderful people of Test Squadron in Star Citizen. That's where you can find me at. <laughs> The school teacher who's always uh, work doing homework and trying to play the games at the same time. So, as always, good to have Trading you. Trading papers, yeah. At the same time, we're playing Star Citizen. And trust me, I got my eye on you. I can do. It. <laughs> <laughs> and Kimmy, sixty-five. Tell people where they can find oh, you. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That's where you're gonna find me on Twitch at Kimmy sixty-five. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm streaming time to time and flying and getting into the game, talking about the game. So. Come on in, chill music, questions about the game. I'm there for you, so come on in. Kimmy has the playlist of playlists going while he's doing his flying. Sometimes yes. he's cruising, 
over i love when you're always cruising like over some moon or something and it's like sunset or sunrise you always seem to catch that kind of shot and you have music playing while oh you're God. doing it so yes. you guys definitely check out kimmy as well and of course thank you guys again for hanging out with us tonight we need to figure out who we want to raid and i did not uh -oh. even start looking usually i do that when you guys are talking and i should have been on that um yeah also don't forget um you guys check us out. I don't know why this isn't changing. There we go. Um, don't forget, we have another show, Friday Night Live. Uh, and we do that on Friday nights, 1130 Eastern Time, where we open up the microphone to you, our community. Uh, Admiral Kusanagi has been on plenty of times. Uh, we yeah. love when you guys come into the chat with us. And this isn't talking in the chat box. This is talking live with us in Discord. Where can you find me, Quinn? You find me right here. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find me here with Soul Citizens. Sometimes I'm behind the scenes doing the producing, but sometimes I'm on the camera too. Uh, but thanks for asking. I appreciate that. But yeah, you guys can, it's open mic. It is good, Heavy Bob. And we get some really good input and conversations going. Sometimes we have five, six people in the chat, from the chat, talking with us. And we just have a blast with you guys because you guys are such great intellectual, understanding people about Star Citizen. And so, yes, we want to invite you guys to come hang out with us when you guys get a chance. Uh, let's see who we've got here that we can raid. Why don't we raid? It'd be uh, somebody playing Star Citizen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think the one time I did it, though, I said to somebody who was speaking Portuguese. That was not my intent. I wasn't paying attention to the language, so that didn't go over so well. But uh, why don't we go to Captain Jib? We're going to go to Captain Jib. Hope I got it right. Doesn't look like I got it right. Did I get it right? Nope, uh, I didn't get it right. The Captain Jib underscore Captain underscore Jib. Jib, right? That's what I typed. It didn't go through. <clears throat> uppercase C, uppercase J. It's not digging it. I'm not typing it right. <laughs> this is why uh, we at the relay station don't raid. It's because I, oh, I know why. I know I, why. Because I, I haven't figured out how to do it yet. I've only All been right. doing this for. I got it. I unrecognized command. What do you mean unrecognized? Uh oh. <laughs> Okay. Oh my God. Thanks, guys, for the patience. The, uh, forward slash read. <laughs> we finally got it going. Okay. All right. There Thank we go. you guys so much for hanging out with us. As always, we look for. Hopefully, you guys can make it on Friday. See us. If not, make sure you come see us next week. And as always, love, peace, and soul. You guys take care of yourselves. Be safe out there.